0: Hey, Ray, do you believe in God? Never met him. Yeah, well, I do. And I love Jesus' style, you know. This roof cap is made of a magnesium tungsten alloy. What are you so involved with that? These are the blueprints for the structural ironwork in Dana Barrett's apartment building, and they're very, very strange. Hey, Ray, do you remember something in the Bible about the last days when the dead would rise from the grave?
1: I remember Revelation seven twelve, And I looked as he opened the
0: sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became as black as sackcloth, and the moon became as blood, and the seas boiled, and the skies fell. Judgment day. Judgment day. Every ancient religion has its own myth about the end of the world. Myth? Ray, has it ever occurred to you And maybe the reason we've been so busy lately is because the dead have been rising from the grave. How about a little music?
1: you're going to finally admit there were ghosts in the house <laughs> he's like oh yeah those are my cousins you know they built the house i bought it from them
0: okay guys welcome back to the grimerica show we're going to be chatting with sonia Braz a little bit later about uh exorcism and all that fun stuff uh, but first as always traveling gram how's it going buddy
2: Hey, good buddy. Traveling around. Thanks. I like that. I'm a traveler. Yeah, I traveled all my life. I've been fortunate enough.
0: I was more alluding to the fact that you just got back from a little vacation. Oh, right. Well deserved.
2: Uh, Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, it was fun. Almost bumped into Adam Curry there.
0: I was here putting out podcast episodes.
2: Oh, yeah. That's good.
0: I was listening. To you a almost met Adam Curry there.
2: I almost bumped into him. No, I tried. Almost. Yeah, I was at the. I tried to get into that show, that uh, broadcasters. New media convention. expo. Well, the new media expo, which is a part of that, but it was like six hundred bucks to walk around and check it out. So,
0: Jesus. Yeah, we don't have that many donations to. really No,
2: <laughs> to that would be the whole that. year's budget. <laughs> yeah,
0: we already blew this year's budget on the mixer. So, anyways, that was crazy. Yeah. I did actually want to touch on that because uh, there, there was that fucking echo in the James Swagger interview where we got that Skype feedback, and that was a a constant problem. Now, with the new setup, we should have zero of that. So that was the last time you have to listen to Grapp say, Wow, wow, wow. Or, yeah, it's hard <laughs> for me to keep quiet the whole interview. I remember how pissed off you were do you yeah, that about the you echo that. Yeah. i was like it's this and then you're like bullshit
2: <laughs> yeah so i do have a grant about about uh vegas if if I, not really for now but I mean, about, te- <laughs> about technology and stuff like that
0: we officially need a grant jingle yeah okay
2: if somebody Where wants not? to like Take a sample and speed it up or something like that, maybe, and turn it into a. (laughs) (laughs) a That would be
0: pretty funny, actually. This is Graham. Take take his last grant and just like cut that up into like six seconds. Yeah. Yeah. The pitch is almost there. Best I can do. You're going to fucking do your grant? Oh,
2: I don't really want to hear it. No, it's just. Did I talk to you about it already? No. So. I'm in Vegas staying at the Luxor after staying at the Cosmo, actually where Adam Curry stayed too. That's why I almost You didn't get out. from
0: the drum roll that I wanted to hear. I don't know what you're doing over there.
2: Anyways, uh I I was taking out trying to take out cash. So get this. The bank machine doesn't work for my Royal Bank. So I go up to the cashier in the casino and I ask him. He says it's the bank he says it's my bank. They're not so I, so I had to get on the phone with my bank, which is a pain in the ass because my cell phone actually is not working properly down there either. So I paid for all the travel plans to get down there and be able to text and, and call. And I couldn't even call the, royal, the, uh, the cell phone provider numbers, the one eight seven seven numbers, to change my plan or anything. It was super frustrating. It's, my, it's, it's the worst trip down in the States for texting. Texts weren't working. Having all kinds of weird issues with texts and emails and Wi Fi wasn't strong enough to do fuck all. Like, why even have Wi Fi if you can't send a text on it? Like, iMessages weren't even working from iPhone to iPhone. So that was super frustrating. So I try to get money out, call my bank. The bank says, no, there's nothing, there's no restriction on your funds. It's the machine. I go back, try the machine. I had to get money from the cashier in 2015 in a casino and pay $33. Actually, It was thirty three dollar fee.
0: Thirty
2: three, yeah, to get it out. Now, in nineteen ninety, I was traveling around Bari, Italy, and I was out of cash completely. And I threw my visa into a fucking weird bank machine in the middle of the street. Like everything was closed down, the whole city's like shut down. They closed it like Wednesday afternoon or something like that. And I use my, I throw my visa in there. I use my bank card pin just on a prayer that it's going to work, and I get cash out in 1990 and in 2015 i can't get cash out of a casino
0: i remember those fucking days when you could just pop your visa into any old bank machine and pull out cash
2: well you should still be able to do that now
0: Yeah, you would think so
2: so you know you have to walk to the mandalay bay to get it out of their machine
0: but i I don't know i've never fucked around with my bank card in other countries actually once i took out money off my scotia card in a mexican bank because i ran out of cash yeah
2: and, and it worked, I, right? And it worked. Yeah, yeah. It's supposed to work. Like, why would it not work? So, anyways, I'm going to take that into the road. Then Bank it
0: stole and... my card.
2: No. Really? Yeah. There's a little Mexican guy in the back there behind <laughs> me. <laughs> but
0: back. I got my cash. I got, like, I remember I pulled out, like, fucking a hundred bucks. And then, uh, yeah, it wouldn't give you my card back. So then I ended up having to fucking call and go back to the hotel room because I didn't have, this was back before. Having cell phones. Or if you did, I, I might have had a cell phone, but you sure as fuck didn't use it in Mexico. Why? Because that was back when it probably would have cost you a fucking... Oh, oh, oh. If like it, that, even, that, if it yeah. even worked, it would have cost yeah. you an arm and a leg. Like, yeah. I don't even think I brought my cell phone with me. Yeah. And then, uh, so I had to go back to my hotel room and call and cancel my bank card. Wow. So That's then scary. I was really stranded. So I was like, if you're really watching your money because you have zero access to anything else,
2: When I was in Mexico, I I didn't have a
0: credit card.
2: We had money hidden up in the rafters of the hotel room. Like, you'd hide them in the ceiling. I had to run up there because I got fined by the federales in the middle of the night. I had to run up there to the room and, like, actually, like, go in and get money out of the rafters to pay off the federales.
0: Called it fined? It was. What was? What do you you call it? Fucking. uh, What's the word? When you fucking. Get caught having sex on the beach. No, when you get when you have to pay someone off. You get extorted. You yeah. get extorted. Well, I
2: specifically <laughs> said, Can I pay a fine? Like I made it clear yeah, that I need that's, to pay a fine.
0: You're bribing.
2: Because otherwise, you know, what's gonna happen to me and her.
0: At, you were hinting at them that you wanted to pay them off.
2: Right. By using the word fine. Anyways, it worked. It was fifty dollars
0: Canadian. Yeah, that's what my that's cab driver bad. told that's me in Mexico bad. the first time I went to Mexico. He's like, there's nothing you can really get into here that two hundred dollars won't get you out of. Here. Really? Yeah.
2: So back then it like, was fifty have bucks, two hundred probably... bucks
0: on you. Wow. Yeah,
2: that, that was that have been
0: back around. That was early two thousands. I'd
2: say. We were in the back seat of like a pickup with a bunch of federalized machine guns. Yeah, it was kind of hairy. She took it really good
3: though.
0: No, she
2: did. So uh, I want to give a quick shout out to the guys at float life in Calgary here because oh, you go there? I went there and they've got a great setup, like super professional. They got five float tanks, a couple different sizes and their own little rooms with their showers, uh, total sensory pre- deprivation, no sound, no light.
0: They like, do sound got, if you want. I,
2: yeah. They've got a, the speakers in there. Yeah. You could do sound. Actually. I don't know how you, if there's a way to hook up your own music or not. I didn't really explore that because they said, oh, not many people go for sound but it would be cool to do a monroe institute uh, meditation
0: in there yeah i think it would help me
2: yeah it'd help you stop playing around in the water
0: yes exactly
2: anyways it, it they, they've they got the great couple great guys they started up this business doing really well so far um i grabbed a and bunch of business to cards to hand them out yeah they listen to the show we're gonna have in the studio pretty soon maybe for an intro maybe for a full episode i'm not sure but here, uh
0: i'm gonna link in this room yeah man this room we're in that's right we're gonna have well, another local guy in Joey here out. too. Ah, oh, we can squeeze another one in here.
2: And then uh, I'm gonna link to the show notes. Uh, I don't. I'm like I can't remember the price that they're charging. I think they can. You can buy like ten floats at
0: a time and stuff like that. There's well, deals. Oh, we do have a lot of local listeners. Be yeah,
2: I met some local listeners at the at the conference on the weekend. I was yeah, there. A shout out to those guys.
0: Yeah, you were there. Huh? Part of it. Briefly, I had a busy day. Anyways, check out The Float. It's a great way to meditate. My uncle was amazed that he's like, I couldn't believe he could just keep talking like that. That who could? Uh, Richard Dolan. Oh, yeah. He's like, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. He just kept going. You guys and missed Steve stum- Bassett. Without stumbling or anything. Like, you guys miss
2: missed Steve Bassett. He went
0: on for like way well, longer. Did he? Yeah. How long was Dolan? An hour 45? No, an
2: hour 15, I think. Hour and a half. So Darren and I are talking about disclosure Canada. We were there on the weekend no, on Saturday.
0: It was longer than that?
2: Uh, no, I don't think Dolan was much more than maybe an hour and a half max.
0: I still don't know if I got a parking ticket. Yeah, hopefully not.
2: Um, you missed out, man. I honestly, Steve. So we saw Grant Cameron, uh, Paul Hellier, and Richard Dolan, all who we've had on the show already. So I mean, seeing those guys uh, in person again—they're all super friendly and and open, and they've got lots of new new research and lots of good old research too, lots of government documents. They talked about secrecy and uh, geopolitics and all kinds of uh, UFO stuff, but Darren, you missed Steve Bassett, and I'll tell you, he surprised me. I mean, I've heard him speak quite a bit and do his little disclosure spiel. Like, you know, we know how people in the UFO community think about disclosure too. There's a bit of a divide there, right? But he, he did a really good presentation. I mean, he got a little fear-based at the end with basically nuclear, like, you know, the choice between disclosure and nuclear war kind of thing, like the countdown clocks of each of them. Um, but he, he he
0: put some strings together. So disclosure with, is, yeah, stops nuclear war?
2: Yeah, like if disclosure happened, um, and a lot of people say it will never happen, but if it did, uh, it would change things quite a bit, right? It would change this paradigm. It would shift us out of a possible nuclear war, he's saying. So, I mean, where is it? Maybe, yeah, yeah. that
0: make, I could maybe get on board with that. What about the possibility that there's nothing to to disclose?
2: Well, there's enough documents uh, and there's enough going on that uh, I think there is enough to, to disclose, personally. So, but he 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 put some things together about the Rockefeller Initiative, and this is interesting because there is some mainstream uh, media linking to the Rockefeller initiative. And that was an initiative in, from 1993 to 1996. And it was, and uh, Grant Cameron did a FOIA re- request. And he actually, it took him quite a while, a few trips, I think. And he says uh, here on, on, this is uh, Paradigm Research Group's website. So the mainstream media is starting to pay attention to this and get this. So you remember that, that John Podesta tweet that came out about uh,
0: Who's John Penesta. Podesta? He's Who's John Podesta? He's a, one of the highest government
2: guys, like advisor to current president and a bunch of stuff. He's like in inner circles. He's been there he's for on a while. Twitter. Yeah, he tweeted that his regret from 2014 wasn't pushing the disclosure of UFOs. And then there was also the no president shit. on the Jimmy Kimmel show. On. Anyways, so there's oh. mainstream people are starting to... Mainst- what,
0: was, what was Buddy's name?
2: John Podesta. Okay, keep going. Um, So there's documents on this website here, Paradigm Research Group. Documents obtained from the Office of Science and Technology Policy and the Clinton Presidential Library via the Freedom of Information Act, confirming and contemporary with a highly important and little publicized effort by Lawrence Rockefeller to convince President Bill Clinton to release all government-held documents related to the UFO phenomena, end the truth embargo, and effectively be the disclosure president. So. Some of the principals are Hillary Clinton, obviously President Bill Clinton back then, Dr. John Gibbons, advisor John Podesta, and Webster-Hubble. But also in there are Bill Richardson, Leon Panetta, and Al Gore. Those are are what he calls the watchers. So I'm going to link to this in the show notes because it's pretty fascinating how these players from the mid-90s are actually quite active right now in government, right? Hillary's now running. Uh, Podesta's still in there. Bill Richardson's still an active player. So he was talking about some limited hangouts. Darren, I don't know if you know the term of limited hangout. But basically, the timing of Bill Clinton and Obama going on the Jimmy Kimmel show is very interesting. And it's kind of hard to ignore the coincidence of the planned release of information from Paradigm Research Group. And the timing of those guys going on Jimmy Kimmel's show, actually doing, I don't know how you'd describe it, doing a limited hangout. Basically, like, insurance on, you know, if something happened. So, anyways, fascinating stuff. Uh, It was a really good presentation. It was a great day. All about, uh, oh, man, I don't know, everything. We got into everything. There was some stuff on chemtrails. Actually, there's a a... a
0: I'm following John Podesta on Twitter.
2: There's a uh, there's a chemtrail, uh, what do you call it when people protest? There's a chemtrail protest in Calgary this weekend.
0: Pro-t- protest?
2: A protest. Are we going? In America.
0: The chemtrail protest.
2: Yeah, Hand out business cards and stuff.
0: Uh, seems like more of a Graham right. thing. Wear your shirt. My what shirt?
2: You got? You, you've been thinking about chemtrails lately? Wear your Grand America sh-
0: shirt. I'm thinking about chemtrails, not protesting them. I don't think I'm there yet.
2: Not saying you have I've to participate pro- when you just go check
0: any- it out? On anything, I don't think I'm going to start. On- Actually, that's not true. One time I protested. Uh,
2: did you do a school walkout or something yeah, like that?
0: Yeah, I did. Yeah. I, I, pro- I, I protested. Uh, I think it was they were cutting out something. They were cutting out Gym. like lunch sports or something like that. It was like intramural sports. Really? I didn't even play intramural sports. I was like, yeah, fuck that. We should all walk out. At first, there's like 20 of us running around from door to door. It took a while. To get, but for a while there, what do you mean re- door to door? Of all the classrooms, yelling, We're walking out.
2: Really? It was yeah. just 20 at the start of you that started saying, and then, then people get up out of their class and
0: follow you? At first, really? there was only a couple. A bunch, <laughs> and then it took a while. Like there was a fucking, there was a cop there for like, A little bit where we weren't sure if we were going to get enough people or if we were just going to look like fucking idiots.
2: See, we planned it better in 1985 where people just wouldn't go back to class after lunch and they'd start walking down the street. Like everybody would just say, fuck it, we're doing a walkout. Nobody will go back to
0: class. Yeah, we had to do door to door. And then we stayed out for a couple of days. We made signs up in the road. I got interviewed in the paper. I still have the paper paper clipping someplace. The
2: guy who doesn't even play intramurals (laughs) and he's out there. Oh, yeah, I funny. got an
0: interview in the paper, the local paper. Good times, so. man. GTs.
2: All right, so what do you want, man? Do you want some uh, synchronicities or some feedback or a UFO quote? Um, You're going to jingle me to notify?
3: Um, All
2: right, so I've got one here from uh, Timothy. Timothy P. He says, uh, Hi, Darren and Graham. I just want to check in from Los Angeles. I really dig the show and I've been telling friends about it. I only discovered it a couple months ago and I've been firing through a good, good chunk of them. So before uh, I continue, I just wanted to say too, uh, tell your friends about the show because really that's one of the only ways that we have to market this thing. We don't really you know, have an overarching marketing plan. It's just social media and, and telling friends, right?
0: There's yeah, no I've been getting a lot of people telling me about telling people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like people tweeting in that they're spread. That's like the formula. We took that from No Agenda. Yeah. That's our formula for marketing. Tell your friends.
2: Because I think the, the goal is is really, we know we're gonna people are going to drop off and people are going to check us out and leave, but the goal is to keep growing and keep getting more listeners than you have that sort of trail off. So keep telling your friends. Anyways, he says, I really love your synchronicity segment, and I've got a couple of ridiculous synchros to share. In 2012, I drove from LA to Boston to be with my ill mother. I was told to listen to audiobooks while on the road, but decided podcasts and radio were better for me. However, I did have one audiobook that I got for free. It was Mark Twain's Huckleberry Finn. I had tossed a loose CD in the glove compartment at the beginning of the trip and hadn't pulled it out for a few days. I was driving about 600 miles a day, and one of the nights I was sitting in a hotel and planning my next day's trip. Based on my estimate, it looked like I'd end up in Binghamton or Elmira, New York, the next night. That next day, I was listening to an episode of Coast to Coast, and the first guest mentioned that he used to do seminars in Elmira, New York. Keep in mind, this is a pretty small town of less than like 30,000 people. The second guest on Coast to Coast mentioned that he had seen the first guest at a seminar in Elmira. Because he was actually from Elmira, New York. Very strange. At that time, the sky had been dark and rainy all day. And it opened up and produced a rainbow that stretched from one side of the highway to the other. I drove right through it.
0: Is that a picture? That's an actual picture? Yeah. Of of the actual rainbow. Let me see that. I thought it was impossible to photograph a rainbow.
2: No, I've I've got a (laughs) whole folder with rainbows in my computer. You would. (laughs) <laughs> i do
0: i fucking am
2: not i saw an insane one in vancouver I it was
0: <laughs> <laughs> they're calling you rainbow bright Ooh. oh that's a good picture he said and let he me j- guess what's at the entrance Tell Mira.
2: well just wait I drove right under it, the photos attached. When I finally got to Elmira, the CD in my glove box began to rattle as I realized that Elmira is referred to as Mark Twain country. He lived, was married, and is buried there. I even stayed at the Mark Twain Motor Inn. Fuck, that's a good synchro.
0: What's Mark Twain got to do with it?
2: Oh, Jesus. Were you paying
0: attention? Yes.
2: He put a Mark Twain audiobook in his glove before he left. And then he heard those two coast-to-coast interviews about the town that he was just about to enter into. And then his CD started rattling in the glove.
0: Did he move to Almira?
2: He says, My question is, how far do you take it? Should I have went to his grave to see if there was a message for me? I don't know. The second one, not so positive. He's not as positive this classifies as a synchro. His mom died of cancer about six months later, and there was family and witnesses around at the time she was crossing. We were surrounding her bed, and the television was on. Earlier, there had been some easy music playing lightly. The TV was muted now, but it still showed which songs were playing. I kept track of them because I realized how strange it was. I couldn't make this shit up if I tried. Out of about eight songs, these were six of them. I Feel Free. That was played by Cream as she exhaled her last breath. Living Thing. By ELO, Jesus is All Right with Me, The Doobie Brothers, Free Bird, Leonard Skinner, Fifty Ways to Say Goodbye, Train, and Mama Wee's All Crazy Now, The Runaways. Oh. This is a pretty fucking weird place. I published a book of real synchros and what happens if you follow it. Here's the link. Thanks for your hard work and entertainment.
0: <laughs> okay, the first one, Amira, Amira, Amira,
3: Amira. Mira, mm,
0: I'll give that one an eight point
3: nice Go to the Four.
0: and the second one I'm not going to rate because yeah. I think it's that's not my place. i do I will say maybe he somehow had control over what was played on the radio. You know how sometimes you, like, pick a song almost, it seems like?
2: Yeah, we don't know enough information if it was, like, shuffling, like, a whole bunch of CDs
0: or if it was just... No, didn't he say... No, he said the radio. Yeah, but... No, but well, how did he...
2: Oh, he was keeping track of the songs as they were coming, maybe, yeah. Hmm. Well, haven't you heard about the deceased, like, controlling the radio?
0: or? Oh, I think maybe you can, to some extent, control the radio. Really? Sometimes I used to have a song, come on, I was hoping to hear. Really? yeah. Hmm. intentional intentions maybe it'd be a good one if I were to rate it but
3: I don't want to rate ones where people die that's fair enough
2: Uh, I've got a couple couple, some more feedback here
3: (gasps) part (gasps) of the week
2: And Darren wants to hear the UFO quote of the week instead, so thanks for switching gears on me. Switching. Switching. This kind of goes in with our disclosure. Just little
0: snide remarks are going to make me stop doing it.
2: (laughs) It is my thesis that flying saucers are real and that they are spaceships from another solar system. There is no doubt in my mind that these objects are interplanetary craft of some sort. I and my colleagues are confident that they do not originate in our solar system. And that's from Dr. Herman Oberth, the father of
0: modern rocketry. I thought that was...
2: uh, I know who you're going to say. The other guy. Werner Von Braun. Braun.
0: Yeah. No? No, maybe he's the father of ancient rocketry. Maybe rocketry has two fathers.
2: Wasn't Von Braun the one that had that quote from... uh, from the the uh, remember we were talking about it this show right where were we talking about it about the what's that the the big old the old textbook uh, the Bhagavad Gita I have become destroyer of worlds or whatever wasn't it von uh, Braun that said that it was in the no that was Oppenheimer it. oh it was Oppenheimer right 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 hmm.
0: oh yeah sorry that's
2: i so I got death. another one here quickly uh, for you it's. Another one. Short I short stopped short the one. That's okay. I'm completely convinced that UFOs have an out of world <sighs> basis. That's Dr. Walther Riedel, once chief designer and research director at the German Rocket Center
0: in Penamun. You could have signaled me or something. I could have kept the jingle going. Yeah, I know. Sorry, but that's fun. You pulled one on me. It's not as funny. Here's one we haven't heard in a while.
3: Don't say ham.
2: You say spam. This is from Riley R. He says, hey, guys, just, no, he didn't say that. He said, hey, just started binge listening to the show, and I love it. On episode 110 at about 39, you're talking about the National Geographic article about people's beliefs around science. As I'm sure you know, there are some scientists such as Rupert Sheldrake, Jim Tucker, and Dean Radin that have documented unusual phenomena and are dismissed out of hand due to their subject research. Do the subject of their research. It's weird to me that NDE's ghost experiences and spiritual-slash-psychedelic experiences aren't studied more, given how far back in history we have accounts from. Found your show through Alex Sakaris and Skeptical. I live in Calgary and listen to your show while driving. I'm a comic book illustrator. If you have ever need help from a comic book artist for some reason, let me know. I'd love it if you could get Jim Tucker, Dean Radin, and Bernardo Castrop on the show. Yeah, thanks for the feedback, Riley. I got some Absolutely. good feedback on the grant on that one.
0: Did you? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. It was a fucking editing nightmare. Yeah, I can imagine.
2: Lots oh, of listeners from Calgary these days. We met a couple at the conference. That oh, was great. A little one day conference.
0: Yeah, well, maybe once we, it seems like we're starting to get a lot of artists.
2: Yeah, art, art seems to be coming.
0: Yeah. I mm. wonder if we'll ever have enough so that we can start doing episode art. Oh, maybe. Right? It'd be easier with our format, too, because you can kind of look at backstage to see who's coming. And And pre-do it. Instead Hmm. of me just ripping off Google Images and put the America stamp on it. Yeah. You're doing a good job, though. Actually, my wife made that. Thanks, baby. She doesn't listen. I got (laughs) another. You won't (laughs) hear that.
2: (laughs) I got another one from Landl. Landl D. This is kind of funny, actually.
0: Mandel, yeah, Mandel the Mandel,
2: yeah. Um, he says his his subject line is "Get Grant Cameron back." So, and I did talk to Grant about coming back on.
0: Oh no, this is gonna get confusing. Grant, 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 are you
2: Grant. Oh have a, yeah, are you right. have a
0: Grant, Grant. No.
2: <laughs> so he says, "Just want to take a minute and let you guys know how much I enjoy the show. I started listening about a year ago and I've been hooked. I'm originally from Alberta, Vermilion, so it was nice to find a podcast where the accents are are familiar." Darren reminds me of my cousin so much, it's really not funny. A somewhat belligerent tone and automatic skepticism makes me laugh, as it is exactly what my cousin will do. Although sometimes you wish you could smack him, haha. I'm sure you are no stranger to that feeling. <laughs>
0: you must be talking to me. Whoa. I've we never, don't promote violence.
2: I've never been a huge believer in the occult and UFO phenomena, etc., but I've always been curious. I think seeing the X-Files too much when I was young ignited a dark curiosity in me for all things strange and unexplainable. Even if some of this shit isn't real, it's fun to wonder. The lunar wave thing is an interesting one. Made me rethink my whole idea of the universe. Not that I think everything is a hologram now, but it's like somebody handing you a pair of glasses and saying, here, look through these. And then like a little acid trip, you look through and everything is different. Just a little bit fucked. And then when you take the glasses off, the things that seem so solid and reasonable before you put the glasses on seem just a little bit fucked as well. I like that part of it. Well, probably never know the truth about all these things, but it is fun to speculate. It's funny, that's what uh, Victor Vigiani said at the conference. He's like, when you leave this place, you're going to be a different person. You're going to have a different point of view, and you're going to be thinking differently. And yeah. Were you? Oh, yeah. Definitely. Anyway, I was listening to the THC episode with Paul Hellier yesterday, and he mentioned Grant Cameron. I was immediately transported back to the day I listened to your podcast with him. Quite a while after you released it, it was only last December that I downloaded it, and only because I think you mentioned it on a more current one. Glad I did, though. In any case, the reason for my email is to politely request that you bust your ass to get Grant Cameron back. Another three hours would be nice, haha. And just in case you think I'm an ungrateful freeloader imposing on your valuable time, I'm a subscriber. My PayPal ID is Take Back the Farm. That's a story, owns.
0: Oh, the elusive Take Back the Farm.
2: I've heard you guys read it out loud with the list of <laughs> subscribers a couple times and laughed. Keep up the great work, guys. I love listening to the podcast and hope it continues to grow.
0: Landle. It sounds a is Landle, the man. Sounds like
2: a cool story, right? Eh? Take back the farm. It should bring what open one sell? up in Calgary. And probably like local local farm goods and
0: stuff. That's huh? what I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. That's yeah. kind of shit I have to track down. Yeah. <laughs> me ship be a ship <laughs> yeah. that'll save
2: Darren from doing his little organic runs for the wifey
0: so anything else uh
2: i got a I got an old okay. hag experience but it's quite long maybe i'd leave it for the next time that.
0: yeah let's leave it for the next time it is i'm missing the flames game they're beating the canucks
3: <sighs>
0: the twitter people know about that's why the podcast was a few days late Oh really? Eh? All the your... Twitter people. Hmm. There's a game Friday. What about people that don't really to the game care Sunday. about pro
2: sports anymore? Like there's bigger things going on than like fucking cheering for a little team and you know everybody wants their team to be the you best look in like the a league. Only like well, <laughs> two in the Cheer league for your little team.
0: <laughs> hey Rob, well. tough break.
2: Yeah. So, anyways, help, uh, help hold the show, please. Up with their expenses. Uh, we don't have yeah, any ads. Yeah, it's yeah. a value for value show. I want to thank a couple guys that did even, reviews.
0: Even if you can't subscribe, you can always just donate once in a while. Of course, we appreciate all our subscribers, all our one-time donators, people sending us art, all our bloggers. We've got a new blog there that people should go check out. Uh, should I want to read that. I think the...
2: Can I read that quickly? Sure. Okay, and I want to just say thanks to Sabago from the usa and vic davian 33 from the usa for reviewing us on itunes i won't read the reviews but they're great and thank you very much that's another way to help the show and then we have a great comic blogger graphic novel kind of blogger and his uh, blog just recently uh, posted is called dream sign and it's pretty cool
3: is it is a real or a dream?
2: What, 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 what? does huh, that mean? The lucid dreaming mean? jingle. I like it. So this is the, from the About the Author section. Ever since I was a kid, I had nightmares that pretty much kicked my ass. I don't know why. My childhood wasn't really any more traumatic than the usual. Where things take a turn for the weird here is that, unlike seemingly everyone else in the world, I can wake up from them. Oh, I can't wake up from them, he says. Yeah, it's pretty much as bad as it sounds. It's not all wet sheets and sobs, though. As a result of this little glitch, I stumbled upon lucid dreaming pretty early on. Basically, a lucid dream happens when you become conscious of dreaming. When you catch on, you can start to pull the strings from within. Kind of, but it doesn't always work out perfectly. Lucid dreamers usually have what's called a dream sign, or something that signals you to the fact you're dreaming. For whatever reason, my dream sign is Meg Ryan, the beloved rom-com queen of the 90s. I don't know why, I suspect... It has to do with compulsive viewing as, of Top Gun as a child. My young mind heard, take me to bed or lose me forever, and damned if I didn't just do
0: that. <laughs> Is it dream sex?
2: <laughs> no, What every time he goes to bed, he, he dreams of Meg Ryan's dream sign, oh. right? And there's that line in the movie. I suppose I'm lucky that Tom Cruise doesn't saunter around in my dreamscape, shirtless with a volleyball in hand and a beckoning smile. Anyway... I've decided to try and illustrate some of my dreams here for Im- your amusement. You're welcome. That's from Napoleon, the Hume, to him.
0: Yeah, for and that's uh, you can find the first installment of that at grimerica.ca slash dreamsign
2: And I think it's, it's nice really art. Meg
0: uh, does real good work.
2: And Meg, I can understand the Meg Ryan thing, but for me, it was definitely the faked orgasm and when Harry met Sally that would make her my dream sign.
0: No comment never seen it. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. The movie or the, the clip? The movie. Have you seen the clip, right? What
2: clip? Where she fakes the orgasm in the restaurant?
0: Oh, yeah. I've seen that. Okay. I've
3: seen yeah, that, that clip.
0: Meg Ryan at her best. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Alrighty. Anyways. Thanks, yeah, for, the, thanks yeah. for the
0: blog. That's a cool. That's a nice little addition I really like. Yeah. That's that, awesome. That, you know, it's kind of different and it's welcome aboard.
2: Yeah so another way to help out is just send us your uh, comments and, and uh, trip reports psychedelic experiences aka and uh, lucid Spam dreams graham. and UFO sightings or synchronicities grab my email is g-r-a-h-a-m at com, and twitter uh, tweet darren at gramerica
0: yeah, like the facebook page we're almost up to a thousand like oh wow good the twitter sends to the facebook too so things do happen there. okay cool there are actually some people that are on the Facebook that aren't on the Twitter. It's always weird. Facebook seems like mad Yeah. What? Really? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Anyway, I think a round of things to say for this week. See you until the true, outro. Enjoy. Enjoy <laughs> the. <laughs> That's fucking two weeks in a row. We thought it was the outro.
2: Enjoy the chat with Sonya Bros that's uh, pretty
0: fascinating yeah it's good stuff Um, we'll see in the outro
2: yeah I've kind of got a different view on on possession and religion and all this now after that so it's uh, kind of mind-blowing
0: Okay, guys, in America tonight, uh, we're going to be talking about all sorts of fun stuff, as usual. Uh, some exorcism, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, see if we can exercise a few of Graham's demons. Raham. Oh, come on, buddy. Uh, yeah, how's it going? <laughs> good, good.
2: Yeah, I'm excited for tonight, too. It kind of... It kind of follows a little bit along the lines of one of our, our last episodes there. We had about uh, anomalous trauma with Eve Lorgan and stuff like that. So Anoma trauma. anomalous trauma. And so uh, Sonia contacted us, and I was in the middle of reading a book on exorcism. Actually, I was listening to it. It was an audio book, and uh, we decided to have her on uh, sooner than later. Now, she's a legally ordained minister, and she's been a demonologist and an exorcist for like... 38 years, and she works with all churches on an on-call consultant regarding like religious practices, rituals, magic. And I'm sure we're going to hear a slightly different take uh, from what you normally hear about, you know, so-called de- demonic disturbances. Uh, she's got quite the website there; are lots of verbiage on there, lots of good stuff. I appreciate the fact that she kind of put it all there uh, on our website instead of just selling a book about it all. <laughs> so anyways, without uh, further ado, we'll hear more about Sonia's past and what she's doing in the present and the future. So welcome to the America show, Sonia.
1: Thank you, Graham. Um, I really appreciate you guys um, having me on and um, looking, I've been looking forward to this. Thanks so much, Darren. Appreciate that. No um, problem. Yeah, you know, um, I... You said i have different take on it i i guess i i really do um not so much that i don't believe that exorcism of satanic beings is has to be you know done by god mm-hmm. i do believe that truly um i don't believe however that everything people believe is demonic is actually demonic and that's really what I do for a lot of these churches and things. I go in and I take a look at situations. But I look at everything. I look at the, the land. How, what's the land on top of? What's it laying on top of? Um, are there earth disturbances underneath? you know what, what's going on? Are there water lines going underneath their ley lines, you know? Um, I started. My, my great-grandmother was um, Welsh. In Irish. Mm. And all the way back in our family line, as far as we can trace it, uh, which goes clear back through France and Italy and I I don't even know where, um, there's been at least one or two people out of each generation that are what they call natural seers. Um, And we've always worked for. For God, we've always worked for the church. Not that we haven't had other regular secular jobs as well, this type of thing. That, you know, you have to pay the bills, right? Because
3: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: we never charge for what we do for God. It's never something that we ever take money for. So it's kind of come down to me in this generation. Um, Perhaps one of my other cousins has this same gift. I really don't know. Nobody, People don't normally talk about it. I don't hang out a shingle. I'm a very private person. Nobody really knows that much about me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I like it that way. I, I like the privacy. No, I haven't sold any books, you know, because in my business, you know, it's not always the greatest thing to put <laughs> <laughs> you know sometimes, after you come through a really, really difficult situation, and especially one where there's a lot of magic and things like that involved, you don't always want them remembering your name, you know when you leave you know?
3: yeah uh
1: you know what pictures of yourself to you know on flashing all over the place and uh, and whatnot um I've always found it best just to you know tidy up my things and go home and you know. Not talk about it, um, so uh, that's kind of uh really where I stand with a lot of things and but I think that to look at to understand what's really demonic, I think you really have to understand what really is demonic. you know there's so much misunderstanding out there in the world today, people you know that All the Ghostbusters, I love the Ghostbusters. A lot of these guys are really good friends of mine, and they're wonderful people. Um, But, you know, a lot of people think that they're stepping into a demonic situation when, in fact, it may be really creepy and scary and all of that sort of thing, but it's not necessarily demonic. I have a... a, my, My own thinking... I studied physics for a very very long time I was a physicist and it's my take really on this whole entire universe that there are just who knows how many life forms out there how many can we see how many are interdimensional how many fly by us every minute how many walk by us every minute how many are occupying the same space that we are and we don't know it and fortunately hopefully they don't know it either right you know um, in in all of the study that I've done over all these years, I've encountered a lot of different types of beings, and I have rarely, but I have encountered demonic. But I have rarely encountered true demonic entities. Mm. Uh, when when you do believe me, you'll know it, and I mean. I don't care if you're a regular layman and you've never gone to church in your life. You will know evil when you get around it. If it's true evil, if it's truly that type of thing, you're going to know it because every hair on your head wants to run, all right? And you could be 20, okay? And in five minutes, you'd be bald. I'm (laughs) telling you, you just truly know that it's really, truly evil, you know?
0: What about more um, subtle forms? Is that uh, common too? Like, you know, the devil on your shoulder sort of thing uh, to the mm. degenerate gambler or something like that?
1: Well, yeah, I, I think people can attract, uh, for, you know, they can attract entities that feed off of different types of things like greed or um, fear, Uh you know, murderous thoughts, you know, uh, evil thoughts. Um, You know, I think that there are entities that, you know, if you expose yourself to enough situations that are really, I would say, kind of considered on the fringe of societal... uh, Norms? Yes.
2: Like sinful type stuff?
1: Well, I think... I think it has to go a little bit beyond sinful. In other words, you know, there's a guy that might watch the, the uh, midnight movie type thing on, on, on Cinemax. And then there's the guy that is into like a very uh, sadistic type of, uh, of porn and that sort of thing. So I, I think you're looking at stuff that even goes past them normally, you know. It's like, I think we all know when we're crossing a line we all come up to a line of things whether it's going from saying uh snatching a candy bar to robbing a bank you know you you know you're going across a line there okay uh and once people kind of go across that line like uh if they if they transgress to the point where they truly inside of themselves feel remorse, they feel guilty, or they know they're guilty. They may not feel remorse, they might be sociopathic, but they might know that they're guilty, they know they've done something really heinous. That's where these types of things can, can um, descend on and kind of latch on to people. They're not all demonic. Some of them are just perverse entities of, you know, of different types, you know? Huh.
2: That reminds me of uh, that book I was reading when, when you contacted me. It was called uh, The Right, and it was the making of a modern exorcist. And it it kind of mirrored what you're saying about um, not everything being at that level of, of demonic activity. Like, definitely the whole story, it was pretty pretty interesting story. It was about a guy from America who went to, uh, to the Vatican and learned how to be... An uh, ex? Would it would it have been the Vatican? I guess so. Anyways, he went to Italy and to learn how to be an exorcist, and and his whole experience through it, and <clears throat> and That's he
1: Father talked Gary about Thomas. Pardon me. That's Father Gary Thomas. Yeah, Father Gary, right? Yeah. 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 He's
2: a good friend of mine now. Yeah, I, I, for some reason I had a feeling about that, but yeah, the, the whole protocol that they went through to to sort of tease out any sort of psychological problems or attention sort of getting. Behaviors and all this normal stuff that would actually i guess cut through a lot of the the crap really to get down to you know when when there really was an exorcism required so it uh so it makes sense so so is that sort of what you're talking about is almost like a checklist of things that you would do to make sure that uh there wasn't yes. something going on
1: yes, exactly, yeah, a lot of times you know um I'll go out and take a look at things like um for example they're, they they might come across what they consider a possible ritualistic killing whether it's people or animals or maybe simply just ritualistic vandalism of some kind or something uh you know sometimes you know uh years ago i used to just hop on a plane and fly now uh, they send me pictures or whatever so that I can take a look at them. And a lot of times I will consult with friends of mine who are from different religions, you know, that are, for example, Santeria, so you know, um, or uh, someone who is uh, uh, very, very knowledgeable in voodoo or hoodoo or, or uh, another type of, whatever type of uh Religion, I, you know, what, I've studied things so long. You know, symbology is a really major thing in religion. Um, and it's not always just about the symbols we see written on or, like, put on a wall or something like that. It can also be things about the way things are laid out, the way they're... Or, like, for example, like, the spot that they're placed. Like, uh, there are times where I come across um, areas that have a lot of uh energy that swirls it has a uh i it, some people say okay i'm not talking about a vortex i'm talking about a um it's almost like a power feed spot maybe it's an interdimensional portal of some kind i really don't know like the ley lines oh, you're know. talking about kind of yeah, well, kind of like where ley lines intersect, that type of thing. Okay. Um, you know, sometimes it can be that type of thing. Sometimes it's just a natural spot in the ground. Uh, you just kind of get there and you can, all of a sudden, you just feel totally discombobulated. you know? Um, and, uh, you know, it, so it could be a, a electromagnetic. It could be simply magnetic. Uh, some types of magnetic Forces in opposition of some sort. Anyway, there's just different spots around the world, and sometimes people find these spots accidentally. And if they're in that, if they're of that type of mind, where they're maybe um, thinking towards doing something of some nature, of uh, something uh, criminal or whatever. Sometimes they'll come back and they'll actually place things in these areas. Um, sometimes, like, for example, there there have been places where there were ritual killings and there were quite a few done by a serial killer. Um, when you get close to the area, you can literally feel the energy change. And I, like I said, I'm not psychic. This is, this is. I mean, you can physically feel it. You know, I mean... It, Most people, you know, if you just stop, take a breath and kind of get aware of your body and your relationship with the earth itself, you can feel these things. You don't have to be psychic to feel it. I've had cops just who are just regular straightforward, just the facts, man, you know, guys, and they're like, what is up with this place? You know, (laughs)
3: Mm. know,
1: I'll get out of the car and they'll be like, you know. Ever since I, you know, from the minute I got out of my car and walked around, I feel like I'm going to, you know, I feel like I'm, you know, halfway here and halfway there and this type of thing. But there just are places like that uh, around the earth, and it's one of the reasons I I liked geology and oceanography and physics and all that. I I studied it a lot Um, to find the answers to understand what was going on. So do you think that
2: people that have some sort of disposition towards or maybe even the stage of the the life that they're at, if they if they pass these places or they end up in these places, they could pick up some sort of energy that might uh, uh, manifest or increase that tendency?
1: Well, it might increase any tendency they have. Yeah, if right. If it's a tendency yeah. towards good, it can be yeah. increased. If it's towards bad, yeah, it can be increased, you know. Um. I, I did. Uh, I did my first uh, vision quest with Frank Fools He was a ceremonial chief of the Teton Sioux, which is a group of seven tribes. You know, I'm, I'm from North Dakota originally, and um, anyway, he was down by Bear Butte in South Dakota, and my mother had met him many years before. And uh, I turned 18, and I had asked her for my birthday present, I said I really wanted to meet, you know, uh, Frank Holescrow. And so, uh, uh, she introduced me to him. And anyway, a little short time later, he took me out for, uh, my first vision quest. And he was a very unassuming man. He was a very privately, you know, very private man, um, very, very uh, immersed in God uh, and and just all that lived. He just saw God in everything. He just saw the Creator in everything. Um, And, um, you know, it it, it influenced me for the rest of my life. um, The fact that he was able to combine all of these different the wisdom of all these different energies of nature and how the world works and you know in, in in what he had learned and how the cosmology works the stars and the earth and the planets and all the different things with the wisdom of the creator as he thought uh, it it was a it was profound it was a profound experience for me and it really did actually change my life from simply looking at religion in a in a way of dogma mm-hmm. and looking more at God as a living, breathing uh, part of all that is. Um, and it was probably the, the most wonderful moment of my life when I no longer felt bound by dogma. I just felt uh, a part of this incredible flow of light and energy and love and and all of that, so it 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 became. I I guess you could say I kind of had a love affair with, you know, God, the the essence of God and the essence of everything He created. And that's really how I approach my life.
2: Did that really start you on your path? Because you had quite a few negative experiences. I was reading on your website there from from hauntings and being in a family that was haunted and. Um, mm-hmm. from what I remember, only, only some of you would acknowledge what was going on. And so, so after all that, did this, this really change, sort of propel you on this new sort of more uh, hmm, cosmic love sort of path?
1: Well, I think it, it, what it did is it opened up to me the, the fact that, that God could be approached in many different ways. You know, yes, I had grown up, I was scared to death. <laughs> we had we had some replay ghosts running up and down our stairway all night long, every single night. Our, you know, like, my friends wouldn't do sleepovers, I mean, you know, they'd call their parents at 3.30 in the morning, come and get me, you know. Um, yeah, it was creepy. Uh, I'll get up. My sisters, all of us together, even now <laughs> at our age, we get together and, and well, you know, the first time we ever heard our dad acknowledge that there were ghosts in our house was like maybe three or four years before he passed away. And he was 96 when he passed away. Um, and we're like, and he said, oh, you mean the ghosts?" And we're like, every one of us just Kind of dropped her jaw. I turned and looked at him and said, "You mean you're going to finally admit there were ghosts in the house?" <laughs> He's like, "Oh yeah, those are my cousins. You know, they built the house. I bought it from them." Um, wow. Yeah, <laughs> I wish he would have just told us that. You know, way back in the day. You know, but um, it was it was uh, at least we would have known we related. We wouldn't have been so scared of him. <laughs> but. You know, it was, uh, yeah, it was really interesting, you know, because I I was raised a Lutheran and the Lutherans at that time, you know, they didn't have any teaching about ghosts and demons and all that kind of stuff. I mean, basically what you read in the Bible, you read in the Bible, uh, there was very little talk about, nobody talked about demons, nobody talked really about the devil other than the Garden of Eden and some of the instance, instances listed, you know, actually in the, in the Bible itself, but they were, trust me, briefly passed over. Okay, so nobody really wanted to talk about anything like that, and and every time I would try to talk to a minister or somebody about uh, about it, he would just practically, you know, he he'd have a hard time holding a straight face, and then he'd say, "Well, I just really, you know, don't think that you're in any kind of danger from anything like that," and. Uh, and you know, he kind of scooped me out out of the room, and then turned around to the door and called for my mother. <laughs> um, so I never, I, I couldn't get any answers. I I started reading everything I could find. I I I just kept reading and reading and reading. I mean, I was reading everything. I mean, every my my grandmother was a school teacher. Both grandmothers were. My mother was. Um, we had quite a few books of our own, but every time I'd get to a library, I'd be in the middle of that library. And I'd read all kinds of stuff that was way beyond my understanding, just trying to find just words I could relate to, anything I could pick up. And this is way from grade school already. So I was into Matt Oblodowski before I was even 14. I was reading, you know, I mean, you name it, I was reading it. If I could see it and find it, I read it. And then when I met when I met Frank Folskroll, I I suddenly realized that I needed to be wiser in my choices of reading. I needed to look for specific things, um, and I began to look at a lot of anthropologist writings, um, and I started to look at a lot of different things at that point in time. I I uh, was taking physics in college uh, when I first started. And uh, when I read the, about uh, Faraday's work in, in the ghost electron, right there, something clicked. And I went, wait a minute, what do you mean ghost electron? <laughs> if, in other words, if you've got a solid, you know, in other words, you can't see him, but let's just say one solid electron. Why, where? where where? Why do you have a ghost electron? And it just got to me to the point where I literally grabbed what little money I had and bought a bus ticket. I, I jumped on a bus and went from Dickinson, North Dakota to the, uh, UC Davis on a bus. I didn't have enough money for food, guys. I mean, mm. seriously. Right? I mean, I had salt and nut rolls and things like that. I was eating one peanut at a time. I went on the bus out and I got, I got out to see, uh, I wanted to see Richard Feynman because I'd, you know, I'd read his things and I was really interested. And uh, so I lied my way into his office. <laughs> I did. I, th- I told him I was one of his students and of course I wasn't. And I walked in the office and he took one look at me and said, you have five minutes. No minute. way. Mm-hmm or you're out of here, okay? You better have a good explanation for why you lied to get into my office because I'm a busy man. He was not laughing, all right? And so I got to meet him and discuss some things with him, and I told him what my theory was and that I really believed that there was an overlapping universe because how could you have a ghost without having an overlapping universe? Light wow. was hold the two Light would hold the two universes apart. One's matter, one's antimatter, and light would be the barrier. That barrier would be full of photons, but it would also be full of God. Otherwise, why would he say, let there be light? And it just all made sense to me right then and there. It just kind of all came crashing into me. And he sat there and he listened to me, and we went out to eat. (laughs) Really? And Yep. And the next day... He put me back on the bus, but he gave me enough money for food. And he no said, way. Don't you ever do that again. You put yourself at huge risk. You can never do this again, jumping on buses without any money and this and that, you know. And so I, I came home, but it was the most important thing I ever did in my entire life. And after that, I, I just started to look at everything differently. And I began to realize that. As I got older, when I did encounter true evil, true satanic evil, I realized that the the energy field was different. It went backwards. It, It literally went backwards. Whatever demons touch, wherever they touch, actually, you know, they're pure thought, but whenever they can direct energy into something or somebody gets possessed or whatever the energy in that area starts to run backwards. And it literally, if it touches the hand, it starts to eat away at the hand. It starts to change the the way the energy flows in that hand. It, it, it makes the hand sick. So you when you look at, you know, when people go out there ghostbusing, it's one thing I've really tried to tell them, make sure that they use exercise oil on their hands. Make sure that they, you know, use holy water and all of these different things. Spray these things down before they touch them. Because I've run into a number of people that have gotten really, really sick out there when they have encountered actual evil. And in talking to so many of the true exorcists, and I mean from all different churches, um, whenever they've really encountered true evil, uh, they literally, I mean... Uh, Protestant ministers, I've seen them just literally go dunk themselves into a baptismal font of blessed water. You know, just reach down with their hands and pour water over their face and head and, and things to cleanse themselves after dealing with evil. Um, the priests, they'll they'll do the same thing. They'll just literally pour holy water over their hands and their their face, or they'll clear clear themselves um, <clears throat> by whatever way that they can. And I began to realize that the only way to stop because that becomes a little nest wherever they touch and that nest allows them entrance into the body and it ends up coming up through the nervous system and into the back of the neck and then into the head and then the third stage, it goes to behind the eyes. And so I started to look at all of this stuff and I realized that there's only one thing that's apostolic. Everybody thinks it's Catholic. It's not Catholic. It's apostolic. That stops this progression and heals the wounds. And that is exorcised oil, water, and salt. It just does. Oil, water, and salt all the way through the Bible. Uh, but somewhere along in the early church fathers and the writings, they talked about when they prayed over the water for baptism Uh, baptism, the baptism became an exorcism. So that water was blessed in a certain way that literally gave it the ability to exorcise. So once someone was baptized, they came out of that water completely clear and pure Uh of their sin and all of that. So see, the, the rites of the Catholic Church, the rites of exorcism, those are rites that were literally translated from the Syriac, Aramaic, and the Greek into Latin. So before they were translated, there was no formal, actual guide to how to perform an exorcism. It was basically a smattering of writings here and there and here and there that people, you know, from this church, they use this kind of part of it and this kind of part of it and whatever. The one thing that was consistent was the use of oil, water, and salt. Hmm. So I I began to look at all that. Oregano oil?
3: No
2: oil. No, what what kind of oil is it?
1: Exorcised, exorcised.
2: So, so basically, oil—they like holy water made into oil, sort of thing.
1: They take regular olive oil and they exorcise the oil. They say a prayer of exorcism. Oh, it was olive oil. Oh, okay. Mm. Mm Mhm. Yeah, olive oil. Um, and uh, but any oil they could do this with, really. But olive oil is the preferred, you know, thing. And then uh, salt, it can be any kind of salt, uh, but they exorcise the salt with a blessing and then they exorcise water with a blessing. Or you can put salt into the water and that will exorcise the water. You don't have to say a separate prayer for the water if you don't want to. Um, When I'm traveling, I can't carry exorcised water with me, obviously on planes or whatever. So I just carry salt and oil. And uh, when I get there, I just... Put a little bit of in only a few grains, I'm telling you it only takes a couple of grains of salt. You can put three grains of salt in your whole entire bathtub and hop in and and heal yourself up, Get up and anoint any area that is you're having problems with with the oil and it just it'll start to heal up you know so yeah it's um it's very powerful huh. <laughs> but it's it's the one medium that is not used by any other religion, you know. Holy water itself, holy oil, or what they call just blessed oil, or whatever. That's, uh, you know, people use it for many different religions. I mean, it's used in many of the islander religions, and many of the ones that combine their religion with Catholicism or, or anything. You know, I mean, I, I even we've we've got proof of old of tribes, you know, using oil from different plants and water and different things, so they had their own blessings and everything, but it's like they all knew, you know, oil, water, and salt was the way to go, you know, and so they all kind of uh, adopted it. Um, But exercised oil is unique in the fact that it cannot be used by any other religion. It can't be used in any other type of ritual. It can't be used for anything other than what it is. Hmm. So that's why that's the only thing I ever carry. And that's the only thing exorcists ever carry, you know, unless they come into a situation that doesn't need exercised water. Yeah. So, so can you can you talk to us a little bit a um,
2: little bit more about um, how you would uh, weed out the the non-demonic uh, demonic possession or like the basically the irrational sort of fear or paranoia that somebody may have instead of being possessed? Like, can you give me some examples of how you would tease that out?
1: Well, you know, I'll, I will look at it from my human point of view, my based on my experience and my study and all that. So I'll look for certain indicators that you would look for in psychology and, and that sort of thing. But as a natural fear, a natural fear means that God gives you the information directly. It's not like he talks to me, guys. Okay, he doesn't appear and, and, and you know... Uh, it's that I just know in my heart, and that's the Holy Spirit. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit, uh, and uh, you just—it's like I could meet somebody and personally be at a total quandary: is this person possessed, or are they just are very ill, or or. Uh, or is is something else going on? Are they being brainwashed or somebody trying to control them or whatever? Um, I can come into that and and personally, not really, honestly have a clue, no matter how much sorting I do. But God knows. And it's like all of a sudden, I will simply know what their problem really is. And I just do. Mm. And that's why seers, that's why exorcists work with seers. Um, not all seers, but most of the seers that work, especially with the Catholic Church, um, are, are proved seers. In other words, they're proven seers. See, because we can be wrong. As people, I, I mean, seriously, I'm just like anybody else. I'm 50% right, 50% wrong. i just about anything and everything. But God's never wrong. Hmm. So when God gives you information, it's always right. And it's not like he gives you a ton of it at one time, okay? It's just one thing here, and then maybe one thing there. And, you know, uh, it's not like he says, well, he doesn't like talking. God doesn't talk in sentences, so to speak. And he never uses the word I. So if people think they're listening to God and they're hearing the word I come out of that mouth, I'm sorry, it's not God. He only said I am that I am one time, and that was to Moses in the burning bush. The rest of the time, God, if God wants you to do something, it's like you'll just feel like, go do this, or go do that, or, or this person's possessed, be careful. Um, or you'll just know, you know, you just know in your heart. And all, every seer I've ever talked to has been like that. Some, some seers actually see with their eyes, thank the good Lord, I don't. I don't I don't see demons and things like that with my eyes. Do you just like, sense them then? Yes, I do. Is I it do
0: overwhelming at times like is it bad like are some places oh, worse yeah. than others like the subway or the mall?
1: No. Uh you know, actually no. uh the the subway or the mall, I mean, they're just regular most 90% of the time. You got to be more afraid of the creepy humans the than you banks.
3: Worry about.
1: <laughs> good one that is so good that is so choice that's rich um yeah really rich Uh, (laughs) yeah especially if you're a rockefeller right um Mm. but yeah you you know you know it's like yeah you know when you need to stay away from a place i you know my husband and i we didn't we you know we like to go out and you know, what we call little adventures, and we'll just take like a, a day trip, and we'll just drive around and I don't know, thrift store or something, whatever, we see this, we see that, we'll go have a hamburger over here, do whatever, and sometimes we'll be driving around, and all of a sudden, both of us will just turn and look at each other, and, and he's like, I don't think so, honey. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, hmm, that's just motor on, motor on. And we'll just go right past a place because we can feel the the creepy crap coming out of it. It's just the evil, icky, you know.
3: Hmm.
1: You can, you know, you know. I work with this one Lutheran minister a lot. He is really phenomenal. He's a really great guy, and um, he lives up north. And anyway, every once in a while, he'll call me up and he'll say, "I am so tired of the ickiness,"
3: <laughs>
1: you know, <laughs> you know. <clears throat> I had a priest tell me one time, the hardest thing for any exorcist is to not swear. <laughs> 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 because, you know you know, we're we're people before we take this job, right? We're just yeah. regular people. You know, and the tendency to wanna go you know, is, is right there because I'm telling you, you know, when you get the crap scared out of you, you just plainly get the crap scared out of you, you know. And you just want to like everybody else, scream and run like hell, you know.
0: Um, I get in trouble for swearing all the time too. If it helps. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, me too. <laughs> me too. Trust me, I I'm being very good tonight. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
2: you <laughs> don't have to be. This is where this is where you can be bad if you really want to. So. <laughs>
1: Oh, shit, that's great.
3: <laughs> yeah. oh, that's funny. <laughs> but,
1: you know, truly, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. You know, we're all human beings. You know, we can't, you know, you, you can't hold yourself up to such a high standard that you can't live. You know what I mean? You know, I think so many people get miserable in their life. Sometimes people, you know, think they're possessed because... They got mad and swore last week. I I literally had people call me up and say, "Is my kid possessed because he's listening to, to rap music and he's swearing all over the place and all Hmm. this kind of stuff?" You know.
0: Was the answer yes? (laughs) (laughs) It depends on what kind of rap.
1: (laughs) No, no. Usually, no. Usually, has nothing to do with possession. it just has to do with the fact that he's growing up, maybe maybe he just wants to fit in, maybe he just gets tight, maybe they're holding him down too tight, Maybe they've got too many tight restrictions on him to the point where he can't breathe. You know, I raised two sons, they swear like troopers, you know, each, but not all the time i mean they're they're good fathers, they're happily married, they're terrific at their jobs, but you know. I just, you know, instead of yelling, screaming, hollering, or just going through all kinds of hoorah, hoorah, I had squirt guns. I had them hit all over the house. And whenever they just really get out of line with something, you know, just get—I could tell they were just getting all fired up, you know, just to jump in my face and rat it, and it, and you know. And I just—I would go and I'd grab a squirt gun and I would just stand there with it behind my back or whatever. And they'd just jump in, you know, and, and just, just before they cut loose, I'd just pull that gun up from behind them and just go, tush, 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 tush. gotcha. And I'd take off running. And, you know, they knew there were guns hit all over the house. So they'd grab one and then they'd be shooting me and I'd be shooting them. and I didn't care if it was on the furniture. I didn't care if it hit the table. I didn't care if it hit the bureau. It didn't matter. Water dries. You know, that's what, that's why God invented paper towels, you know, at, you know, we would start laughing and it would just get funny and hilarious. And I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm really, really close to my sons. You know, God shown me a way to not ride on their buns and, and shown them a way to be able to deal with mom and dad in the world at the same time. And Hmm.
2: Something works somewhere, you know.
1: Acceptance goes a long way. It does. Non-judgment goes yeah. Yeah, totally. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I totally agree. Those
2: are some pretty heavy principles that can really work. I think. Hey, I wanted to well, I wanted to get into get into ghosts and demons a little bit. I kind of was was forming a question here because we we're you were talking about ghosts and then we go to demons and and you I guess have experienced uh, I guess exorcism or exercising these two sort of different phenomena would be the right term for it. But would also, um, I guess I, I'm interested in the difference, uh, the way you see ghosts versus like demons, for example. But Justin, who's a, he's a, one of our, our bloggers and he helps us out on the show here and stuff, he's got a question for you. And he's, yeah. he's a big fan of ghosts too. But he says, um, have you ever exercised or heard of a human spirit possessing another human? And and if so, is the ritual the
0: same or does it differ? Honestly, is that like me possessing you?
1: Yeah, yeah. Nice. <laughs> well, gee, fifty shades of gray here. Um you know you just left yourself wide open for that. I, uh, I'm gonna I, tell you. <laughs> I in what I do, I have to have one hell of a good sense of humor. Okay? So don't think you're going to slide on me, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll nail you. I'll nail you. I have to. It, I just have to keep laughing because if I took all this stuff so horrendously as seriously as it really, really, really is, I would probably have been dead 20 years ago. Um, honestly, I don't think a human ghost can possess another human being, and I think if that, if you ever run into something that is masquerading that way. I think you really need to take a, another look at what the situation really is because human spirits, um, I can see where a human spirit might perhaps hang out a little bit, you know, right after they die or whatever. But the human physicality, the, the soul and the spirit itself actually leave the body, that's that 22 or 12 ounces or whatever that it is, you know, that takes that off, um, that leaves the body. The the physicality of that person, however, can retain the... It still has all the memory cells in place and all of that sort of thing. Any entity cruising by or hanging out waiting for somebody to pass away can adopt that a little bit of that personality. Now, all that they can adopt is... Actual things that ghost said when it was alive. If it's a word that that ghost never used while it's alive, you're not going to hear it come out of that ghost. So if that person, say for example, uh, say it's little Freddie down the street, well, he's not going to suddenly start talking like Stephen Hawking. All right? So anything that that child said when he was alive, that entity can use to mimic being that child. And I've seen... These entities, not all of them demonic either, by the way. I've seen these entities use someone else's identity to worm their way in to residency into a home or into a an area that they wanted to stay in or just hang out in or whatever. Oh, I see what you're, you're saying. So yeah. So, sorry to and interrupt in you,
2: but energy. just so, so what you're saying is a, a ghost could very likely be instead of it being um like the ghost of my father being like that like my father's spirit or whatever it could have been um an entity that sort of captured some of his resonance or memory from the physical body and he could be sort of pretending to be his ghost is that kind of what you're saying
1: well you find you'll find that in for example say that Okay, for example, okay, you a, a lot of people can experience, so to speak, maybe a small visitation or something like that right, from right. a passed away relative. That is actually more of a gift from God, or maybe they prayed really hard for it. Maybe that that they they wanted to interact uh, lightly uh, once once in a great while. That's one thing.
2: Yeah, I agree with what, you. What, you can't discount yeah. all, those, all those encounters, no, really. Yeah. No, no,
1: uh uh-uh. No, it's the one so where... Yeah, it's more like
2: suddenly,
0: a haunting then.
1: yeah. Yeah, suddenly the husband's sitting there talking to you every single day. And I'm telling you, that would freak me out, okay? I'd be throwing exercised oil, salt, and water at, the, at my husband's chair if he started doing that, okay, after he passed away. That would creep me out totally. Um, you no, know, because you see, the, these entities, they don't just take a hike, They hang around. I dealt with a woman once. She owned this this big business. I'm not going to get too specific on any of these people because I really respect their privacy. But she owned a really big business, and the ghost of her husband consistently had been around since he had passed away. Now, I didn't know this woman's husband in real life or anything like that, but according to all these different people, he was a very kind man and a very wise and... Loving husband and just a really really nice guy. Well, the, here's the thing: the longer this goes tongue around, the weaker she got, the sicker she got, the worse she felt. Um, it was just pulling energy from her to live. It was just living. It was just literally living off of her life force. And so, her business partners called me in and they said, "Please, would you come help us? Would you come?" and exercise our entire business. Would you come and exercise every part of it? And it was a huge place. It was a hotel. And I said, wow, okay, well, look, here's the thing. Once I come in there, everything is going to either move on or if there are any truly trapped spirits there, they're going to be set free. They're going to go back. Go to God, go wherever they were meant to go originally. And I said, "No, that means that all spiritual activity is going to stop. It's just going to come to a dead halt immediately." And they said, "Really?" And I said, "Yeah. Okay." So they're excited. They're like thrilled, and they're like, "Call you know, buying plane tickets and everything else." And I'm getting ready to jump on the plane. And I get this call from this woman. And she tells me, well, I don't want the good spirits to go. I said, what? She said, you can get rid of all the other spirits, but I don't want the good spirits to go. And I said, you mean the spirit of your husband? Is that what you're talking about? (laughs) And she said, yes. And I said, your husband was a very kind and wonderful guy, right? She said, yes, he was. And I said, How do you think he would feel right now if he saw you talking to somebody that wasn't even him, that was just pretending to be him and is sucking your life force out from under you every single day and making you sick? How do you think he would feel? Don't you think that he would be upset? And she said, Oh, but he doesn't do that. No, it's all these other spirits that are hanging out here that do that. And I said, Well, you know, if I come there all of this activity is going to stop. So if you don't want me to come there, then you need to tell me. And she did. She said, no, I don't want you to come.
2: Huh? That must have been a difficult conversation.
1: Well, you know, the thing is, I come into conversations like that all the time. Yeah. Because a lot of people, they can really, really, you know, they get fooled. You know, I, I had a lady one time swear up and down, you know, that she had Jean Kelly living in her living room. You know, this is like 20 years after he'd passed, you know.
0: Who's Gene Kelly?
1: <laughs> he was a dancer. Or he was a movie star back in the day, you know what I mean, the 40s or whatever, 50s and all that. Um, but she said, yeah, she danced waltzes with him every night, and she didn't want me coming to clear her house even though her kids were begging me to come. Otherwise, they were going to put her in a in a care home, you know. But she said no, she didn't want to you know I can't, I'm not going to do something people don't want because then they're just going to reinvite whatever it is back in
2: hmm. So do you do the same sort of process for exercising ghosts out of somebody's like house compared to exercising somebody who's uh, demonically possessed?
1: No, no, no um, usually when, when a, a house has a problem if it's property or a house. There's other things that uh, going on there. There's right. land movement, vortexes, all of that. I shut the vortexes down to quiet the movement, to quiet it, sucking in all of these life forms and holding them prisoner. Uh, some life forms just aren't strong enough to escape a, uh, an actual natural vortex. So I shut the vortex down, and at that point, anything that wants to leave gets out, it takes off. Um, anything that doesn't want to leave, uh, will continue to hang on. And then basically what I do is I start, if there's a basement especially, any hole in the ground can start a vortex, which is why graveyards are such a big vortex area and they usually have so many problems. Um, there's a lot of holes in the ground. so And it's a wound in the earth, you know, a man-made wound. So what I do is I go and I salt I salt the the ground, I salt the basement first, there's a basement, then I salt the ground around the house, and then I go floor by floor by floor to the attic, and I I salt every single floor. Now you can, if you're in a situation where it's just a, a light case of the occasional thing going on, you know, basically you want to put that salt water in the corners. What I'll do is I'll put salt into water, into a spray bottle, and I'll spray right above the floorboard because nobody's going to vacuum the salt up, you see. So if you spray the salt water, and I don't mean balance it, okay, you don't want paint running down your wall, but just just, just a spray or two is plenty, trust me. And you just go and you hit every single corner. You start at your front door and you go to your right and you go all the way around and you hit every single closet. Bathroom, everything, you hit every corner. If you can't hit the corner down low, you hit the corner up high. You just go all the way around and you know everything, you hit everything. And then you go to the next floor and you do the same thing. Now, if there's really, really heavy activity, a lot of vortex activity and stuff, I will literally sprinkle salt all over the attic and all over the basement. Uh, Yes, I'll get the corners, but I will get everything because I want to stop it cold. And when I stop at cold, whatever's there that's not good has to leave. It cannot stand being around exercised oil, water, and salt. It can't do it. So salt, you know, water cleanses, salt purifies, and oil seals. So you, you cleanse first with the water, and, and then you, then you uh, nullify whatever's going on with that salt, and then you seal it tight with that oil, and you pay attention to everything, your windowsills, your door sills, around your doors, all of that type of thing. And usually all activity stops. But if it's a real demon, then you're in for the ride of your life.
3: Because while
1: you're up...
0: Does the type of salt matter? Does it matter if it's like... Table salt a, or road salt or Himalayan healing salt. salt.
1: No. No, it it just has <laughs> to be actual true salt and it has to be exercised by a priest with the Latin with the Latin blessing which I have in my which I have in my now any look, any truly ordained minister can use that Latin prayer and exercise water, oil, and salt. It does not have to necessarily be a Catholic priest, although yeah. it's more powerful if it is. Why, I'm not really sure, but it is. Um, the, uh, I, I, I've met Lutheran ministers, however, that have been very successful, and, you know, they never used to do any exorcism at all until a couple of years ago. Uh, but I've met Methodists, and, I mean, I've given this prayer to Buddhists, And they've used it. I mean, it works. It does. So, uh, but if you run into something truly demonic, you might just have your head handed to you when you walk through the door. You don't even get that spray bottle okay? You don't even get your hand in the salt, all right? You're lucky if you have a hand to put in the salt. Um, I've literally, uh, in in Washington, D.C., there was a row house that was so bad that you know priest after priest went over there and took a look at it and turned around and walked out and and went to the uh diocese there and the archbishop himself came over to that home and when uh when they opened the door thing everything in that house was flying around i mean tables chairs furniture i mean you name it dishes coffee cups when those people left, they left they just ran for their lives. They could never they, they literally boarded up. The archbishop ordered it sealed, and he sealed that home. And that home can never, ever be unsealed. It is absolutely a goner, okay? Uh, there have been other homes, there have been other properties that they've had to do that with. They're just absolutely, you know. Uh, they're just to the point where the the evil is so powerful and so strong and so prevalent that nothing can be done. Hmm. Um, You risk your life to even walk through the door, you know. Um, But yeah, oh yeah, I've had things fly by my head. Holy mackerel. I'm telling you, seriously. And and it's creepy.
2: And then there's, um, I guess, the same type of of level uh, for human possession, like you know, some, sometimes you can, you can exercise it and sometimes it takes uh, decades type thing?
1: Oh, truly, yeah. You know, I don't do personal exorcisms. Um, and the reason is that my, uh, my uh, license as a minister is purely secular. I'm actually a Catholic, a Maronite Catholic. Um, I took the secular reverendship so that I could protect the privacy of the people I work with because I have to go in and ask in-depth questions and whatever, for whatever church I'm working with, uh, to be able to assess a situation. And when I walk into people's homes, they might have this laying out, that laying out, whatever. Anyway, they're entitled to their privacy. They don't need to be harmed any further, right? So I'm a a legal minister in all 50 states of the United States, but I am a secular minister, so I am under no circumstances am I Hands on ordained. And uh, although I know of certain, uh, I know that there have been uh, very strong believer Christian people who have exorcised demons personally who were not ministers or ordained ministers. Um, I'm sorry, that just isn't my calling. Um, You know, you know the the exorcists of the church, the Catholic Church tell me that God has given me a gift of exorcism, which is extremely rare once usually I've worked with I've worked with possessed people and just simply you know blessed them and cleared them with with oil and and water uh, and had them within a few days, you know ten days I think was the longest one, and they were free and I had no idea why or anything, but the priests who were observing all of this throughout the whole thing told me afterwards and uh, told me at the diocese that they said that they believed I had a gift for it. But it's not something that I use uh, lightly or or that I even think about, actually. Humility is a really big thing in working with something that is as old and as evil and as powerful as the devil. So I'm not really sitting around touting my uh, credentials to the devil, you know. I, he pretty much probably flattened me before I could, you know, lift a finger. Um, I don't know. I, I think when it comes to exercising people, I like to get them to either their own personal church, if their own minister is willing to perform the exorcism, perhaps he has a group of elders he's working with or something. Um, I like to keep them within their own boundaries of their own faith because that's where they feel comfortable. Um, Usually we'll proceed to the Catholic church if the minister, their particular minister, feels that it's the right thing to do. So I, I really, I don't try to tell anybody what to do. I, I work with everybody to be able to achieve the best situation possible.
2: Nice.
3: Yeah.
1: So
2: have you seen a, a big rise on people that are sort of claiming they need exorcism? I mean, I've I've heard of a couple of articles now that are coming from, you know, the Vatican talking about how uh, there's a big, huge uh, increase in requests and people that think they are, and then they go into maybe some of the reasons why they think that's happening. Have you... Notice that,
1: yeah, truly. You know, when I first began, um, I was, uh, I was, I studied a lot of um, Father Malachi Martin's work. Um, like I said, I've never, be, you know, I've never considered myself an exorcist. What I was doing is, I was simply studying everything and anything I could, I could find. Because I kept running across all these different situations, and so I began to read what he had written and everything, and then of course I uh, corresponded, um, and he wrote back and he and he told me that uh, in his experience, that in the last ten years, and this was in the 90s, just before basically before he passed away, really, mm-hmm. he said that the number of true possessions had gone up at, you know, at least, uh, you know, 100% from where he had been at. And he said there were 10 times as many possessions uh, every year at that point, and that was like in 97, uh, as there had been 10 years before. He said 10 years before, we might run into one or two, maybe even three actual possessions in the United States and including Mexico or parts of Mexico. He said now, however, they were running into it uh, at a a very high rate. Uh, By the time I had talked to him, um, we had lost four exorcists to very uh, bizarre circumstances. And within a month or so after I first corresponded with him, we lost a fifth one from up in Canada. Um, He was driving home from an exorcism and his car just suddenly went off the road and rolled a perfectly flat spot. The man was wide awake. There's no way he would have been falling asleep or anything would have been happening. uh He was not driving too fast, nothing he just his car just literally left the road and flipped into the ditch and whatever and the man was killed uh so you know there were quite a few different situations where uh exorcists were just being killed it was It was a slaughter uh we didn't have that many exorcists at the time, and it was it was dire each time we'd lose one,
3: Mm.
1: and it still is to this day. Um, I had a case down in in Juarez, Mexico, in 1996, and a born Catholic, cradle-born Catholic, um, spiritualist minister, he wasn't uh, hands-on ordained by a bishop or anything, Um, so he didn't consider himself really, you know, a true minister, but in a way, I, I think he really was because this guy, they had a tractor, they couldn't get running for three months and he went over and blessed it and the tractor started. You know, so don't tell me he wasn't, you know, God God definitely had given him some gifts. Um, but he was an incredibly brilliant man and uh, for 10 days we were down there in the middle of this war between two brujos. One had killed the other one and now the whole family was cursed and all these Homes and property and land and everything—it was really something. So we ended up having to clear all of these places. Huge clinic, huge—you know—homes. These were aristocratic Mexicans, highly educated people. It was a very, very serious situation. And uh, I told my minister friend, I said. When when we were done, I said, "Listen, I'm I, I'm on the plane today. I'm getting out of here." I said, "You need to leave too." He said, "Oh no, they want me to stay." You know, as a spiritualist minister, and he was very intuitive. He used to do readings for people, and and uh, uh, you know, he sometimes he'd make spending money that way a little bit. And I said, "You know, you just can't do that here. You've got to get out of here because uh-huh. it's, it's not good." And uh, Anyway, he had a few other uh, problems, too. But he um, he ended up staying uh, a little too long. Well, anyway, uh, a year later, about a year and a half later, uh, the same way, in other words, the one brujo had killed the other brujo by sending him a lover that was really sick who had AIDS. And the brujo ended up, having who had this now this brujo was a, an incredible doctor and he had cured aids in many many people yet when he tried to cure himself this guy had ended up cursing all these other people in his family and all of this stuff was just going to hell in a handbasket literally so he just simply said enough and he just let himself die uh no more curses really were put on the family, but what was already in place is, was what we actually had to clear because it was so bad. Uh, so what happened with my friend was that my friend, the spiritualist minister was also gay and he had after, after this work down there, he had met a man he really truly loved and, and uh, they were together Uh well, he'd called me from Los Angeles. It was coming up in December. It was very right towards the end of, Thanksgiving, uh, date of um, Christmas. November in, in 2001. And uh, anyway, uh, he called me up or 2000, I'm sorry, November 2000. He called me up and he said, I've decided to break up with this guy. Uh, I want to come to your guys' house. Um, and uh, just, you know, he used to call it his, his sanctuary. <laughs> we used to live up on a mountain in Colorado Springs. It's great. It's beautiful and peaceful. I loved it. And he said, I want to come to the sanctuary and I want to sit back and just kick back and get well. And uh, we said, sure, fine, no problem. Well, anyway, uh, so he stopped in New Mexico to pick up his things. And while he was there, the boyfriend found out he was leaving him and I had told Todd, I said, look, if you even get a, a sinus infection, get to a doctor right away. And he did get a sinus infection, but he didn't go to the doctor. And they got in a fight. The guy broke his eardrum, and it, that was 7 o'clock at night, and 2 o'clock in the next morning, they had to pull the plug.
3: It wow. Like, yeah.
1: So it was a very similar circumstance. The other brujo had been still alive the one that had killed the first one, and he had told us on the very last night that we were there. I literally felt like I was looking at the devil face-to-face when I talked to this man. I truly did. I've never felt so creeped out in my life. Uh, The human side of me wanted to run like you have no idea, and it was just literally kind of St. Michael or a saint coming over the top of me that held my feet on the ground. And I just... uh, I knew this guy. I mean I knew he was so perfectly possessed it was unbelievable. I, I knew the second he walked through the gate. We were clear upstairs in the consultorio. He walked through the gate and I knew the devil was on the ground. I could feel it. And I just literally stood in front of everybody else just like to, to protect them, you know. And uh it was so weird. Well anyway, he told Todd, he said you know, you're not long for this world. I'll, I'll see you gone. And he looked at us both. Well, at the same time that Todd was experiencing this situation and dying, I had a stomach ulcer. I didn't know I had a stomach ulcer. And it, it perforated. My husband had rushed me to the hospital. They barely saved my life by lasering it shut. It was like the size of a dime. Uh, so I was in the hospital near death. Todd was in the hospital dying. Um, all of a sudden, as I'm laying there, I see this angel. Just, you know, it, and it's like he lifted me out of my body and sent me to one side, and he laid down on my body, and he looked absolutely dead. My, I, all of a sudden, I looked dead. And then I saw these faces kind of pop through the wall. I mean... You can say I was delirious or something. I don't really know. I'm not, like I said, I don't normally see things of my eyes. But I could see these faces coming through and laughing. And then I saw this man at the end. I saw him look at and see my dead body, and he was laughing.
2: Laughing and like at he, you or laughing with you? Yeah,
1: laughing. No, no, laughing at the fact that he thought I was dead and my okay. Todd was dead too. <laughs> and then he disappeared, and then the angel picked me He got up out of my body, he picked me up, and he put me back in my body, and then he just smiled, and then he, he left. And and no, I didn't see any wings, okay? So, but um, I knew it was an angel's name. Anyway, uh, so the, I didn't hear, nobody wanted to tell me that Todd was, was gone because he was such a dear friend of mine. And when they did... I was literally crushed, but they didn't tell me until I actually got home. They didn't tell me about his death. Um, so but the circumstances were almost identical uh, between him and the other uh, girl. And, of course, Todd at that point was the leading minister. He was the minister in the lead on that deal, uh, but he didn't know anything about exorcism so he he was the he was giving me the authority to act to do my work because the catholic church did not want to get involved in this whole thing down in morris we only got them involved to come over and bless the land and bless the homes after we had cleared them all completely mm. and then the, the priest showed up and he blessed everything but they would not get involved in it they didn't want to be part of it you know um You'd be amazed at how many priests, honestly, are truly afraid of those situations. They don't want anything to do with them. Hmm.
2: So, back to the sort of like <clears throat> where you started with that is—is is these, uh, which was sort of the second part of my question. You're answering it already. Was is the increase in exorcisms actually, you know, legitimate uh, possessions, or is it more people being? Uh, you know, kind of more open to it, or people sort of uh, uh, crying wolf, that type of thing. Um, and it sounds like it, w- it was an actual. It's 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 actually increasing.
1: It is, yeah, it is because people are believing in it. See, the more that you know, they're they're watching all these shows, but it's not just the TV shows and the movies, and 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 good grief, it's not just Harry Potter. Okay, oh, I'm so tired of hearing that. It's the fact that. People feel, uh, they basically feel uh, powerless. What's been going on in the globe in, in, in the last 20, 30 years, whatever, is that people have become less and less powerful in their own right to make their own decisions and to choose their own lives and to choose what they really want to do for themselves and their future and all of that thing. So much has been taken over. So many of these decisions have been taken over by government, no matter what country you're in. Um, And there's so many other threats out there in the world that people are afraid. Uh, You've got some people that are, you know, talking about, Oh, it's always, it's the end days. Well, I've been hearing that now ever since I was born. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: It's the end days. It's the end days. And And I keep telling people, what are you going to do if it's not the end days? What if, what if you don't, what if somebody doesn't come from the college and pick you up and take you out of here? You know, you've got to be ready to handle yourself and your situation and and take care of your family or the people who love you. You've got to be able to live. So you can't just keep thinking that you're going to just vanish into thin air any minute. You know, you have to still do your your thing about living. And... You know, I've, I've literally talked to people that gave everything away, and I mean, I was called in on one sec that was, you know, wanting to just uh, throw it all to the wind, and they were going to do like these guys in San Diego and kill themselves, and uh, we managed to talk it out. But the whole thing is the fact that as people lose power, just like in the Dark Ages, the more that they lose power, they feel powerless the more they're going to look for a power source. and Consciously or
2: subconsciously? Both. Yeah.
1: And, and as, you know, and the thing about it is with God is that a lot of people just don't realize how he works. They, you know, people get impatient when you're, when you're afraid you're impatient. You want an answer right now. You want some course of action right now. And when they don't, get that. They think God isn't listening to them. They think that he's not there for them, that he's not caring about them. Well, I'm here to tell you, I wouldn't be on your show right now, except for one thing. Somebody out there has needed what I've got to say. God's answering that prayer. See, I don't go anywhere that I don't realize inside of myself that Me coming there is answering that person's prayer. They prayed for help. God said, will you go? I said, yes, and I went. (laughs) If I couldn't go, he he went to somebody else. Maybe he went to Ralph Sarchi. Maybe he went to John Zaffis. Maybe he went to the other thousands of guys out there that put their own stuff aside and and walk for God all the time but nobody even knows who they are. You know, um, most of us, are very private individuals you know those of us that really do actually work for God so the thing is is that God's got a whole army out there that he uses that go out and they help people that have been praying that have been crying out and a lot of people don't realize that God sends a person he doesn't wet the lambs coat okay he doesn't dump a glass of water on your head or set off fireworks in your living room the devil does that oh yes he does but God doesn't right so what happens is that people start looking for a power source to take to to be able to handle the problem and they'll start going into books that are into some kind of witchcraft or some kind of power manipulation of some kind some kind of energy manipulation of some kind or Ouija boards and all that too yeah or they'll go to the person who says well hey Uh, I'll give you 10 candles for $100 a candle. You burn each one of these candles and your your situation will be handled or whatever. Um, And then, of course, they come back and they say, well, it's not completely done. Well, no, it's not completely done because, well, I cracked another egg and you're going to have to pay another $1,000 and get something else here. Uh, And it never stops, see. The thing is, is that when you're looking for power, Anytime you're looking for power, there's a whole world out there. There's a whole other universe out there full of entities that would pretend to be demons even. There's entities out there that are very powerful that have nothing to do with being a demon or being a devil. There's entities out there that are, that are demons and whatnot. The thing is if people are looking for power. They're looking for a particular type of Entity, and that's any entity that can actually manipulate energy. And there's a host of them out there. And huh. they can end up with any one of them hanging out in their house. So, so are and you talking? Sorry, continue. I was just going to say that's really what I do is I sort entities.
2: Huh. So, okay, I'm just trying to wrap my head around this because, uh you know, I understand like if people are going through Ouija boards and all that, but if if people are really searching for a higher purpose or their higher self or something, would you also include like people using like psychedelics or trying to uh, have out-of-body experiences or lucid dreaming, like all those other sort of Mm -hmm. kind of new agey type of methods of uh, getting out of your body or or sort of entering some other dimension? Would you include those in that category of people searching for power?
1: Not really, Graham. No, you know what I think? I think people need to realize that the human person is going to be curious. We don't grow if we don't have curiosity, all right? There's a huge difference between, you know, reading a New Age book and looking at what somebody's got to say and, you know, or, or going to Stonehenge and seeing what kind of energy's out there. That That's not inviting, you know. That's not what I'm really talking about. Right. That's looking for knowledge. They want to understand the energies of the world just like I did back in the day. I didn't open up any doors and get demon possessed because I was curious. Yeah, yeah. You know, it it all has to do with the intention. If if you're if you're looking for knowledge to give you understanding and maybe knowledge is power in its own sense, but it's not power as in uh, I want to wave a wand and, and make a donkey appear in your living room, all right? There's a, a huge difference between saying, if I, I want to plant some things and I want to bless them by waving a rowan stick over the top and, and saying, bless you flowers, please grow, and and the, the new moon is rising or whatever. Uh, you know, I realize that in the Bible it says things like, you know, where the 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 prophet gets really mad and he says, I'm so tired he's talking he's repeating what God's telling me. he says, I'm so tired of your new moons and your sorcery and your magic and all this kind of stuff. Well the reason God's saying that is because the truth is you really don't need it. But he just said, I'm just so tired of it. He didn't say you're all going to hell in a handbasket. Look, the thing is is that there's such a thing as just simple human curiosity. So a little kid plays with a Ouija board. If he's not looking for some entity to come there and do a magic show in his living room, he's not really being—he's uh, not really opening doors and windows and stuff like that. You see, when when you've got when children are involved, most of the time, unless it's a child, let's say the child is bullied and he wants power, he wants to get out from underneath this bullying situation or whatever. No, yeah, he would love to have a superhero show up and just kick the crap out of these guys that are, you know, being bad to him or whatever, or maybe even home abuse or something like that that horrible is going on. Um, You know, you can't blame this child. Most of the cases I come in on where somebody inadvertently, it's usually somebody inadvertently opening a door not because they initially intended to, but because one night they got really mad and they they had this book on deep, deep magic and they just got so mad, so sick, so tired, so fed up, so desperate, so anxious, whatever, that they just literally, they were like two steps. It was like one step was either going to be suicide the other step was going to be grab this magic book and, you know, summon up a demon to get rid of this mess uh, because they didn't think God was going to handle it for them. And so they, they went to his demon book and sure enough one appeared and started to hang out and destroy whatever life they had left before it was even worse than the situation they originally brought to the table. It's more damaging when adults go into something like this because adults, adults are capable of channeling a lot of Focus and intention and, and concentration and power into their own thinking. And they're also able to uh, put a lot of power into their words. And those words can kill. They can hurt. They can just start eating away at other people. You know, when you say mean, really mean, mean things, it literally is a wound. It can wound the energy uh, sphere of the other person, the aura of the other person. Everybody has their own aura. And we all have, we're electromagnetic beings. How can we not have an electromagnetic field, right? So when you throw really mean things at somebody, it hurts them. It does. It wounds them. Not just emotionally, not just mentally or whatever. It can literally physically attack them. You know, sometimes you get uh, in a fight with somebody, nobody touched anybody, nobody slapped anybody or anything, but you come away and your stomach hurts, yeah, right? Yeah. Well, maybe your stomach is, the, is kind of your weakness in your body. It's the one place that you're kind of That's weak. where it
2: manifests, yeah.
1: Yeah, and the other person, they might get an earache or they might get a pain in their back or something, right? Because maybe that's their weakest point. See, in studying Castaneda, I learned a lot about energy. Um, I also felt after I got to the Eagles' gift that Castaneda had really kind of gone off track and lost himself and believing his, his basically his own philosophy. But uh, but for the most part, what I really learned about reading Castaneda was how the energy works around the body. It, it taught me a lot of things, and I kind of took it as a stepping stone. I didn't actually want to read the book. Well... I can't say that. I was kind of interested, but I ended up reading every single one. Okay, mm-hmm. for me, that's pretty odd, All right, I read every word of every single one. And I kept asking God, why are you having me read this? I, I have no interest in sorcery or any of this type of thing. And, he, you know, I just kept feeling like one day I was going to need it. Well, when I ended up down in Juarez, I needed every single thing I'd ever read or ever learned. And not just what he had taught me, but what I had then learned more from other Native Americans and uh, Mexican, uh, the the, uh, Tarahumara, you know, and this type of thing, all of these other uh, Indian tribes that I had worked with. So it took every single thing I'd I'd ever learned to deal with that situation. Hmm. See, the thing is is that you can pursue knowledge on many different levels, and you're not going to get occluded with demons and hammered on by this and that and the other thing. You might, you might not be careful. Watch what you're doing.
2: So that kind of gets into the tension. That kind of gets into the level of, uh, of possession that you have on your website. So you talk about the the three stages of uh, possession and, uh, and before we run out of time, I want to, I want to ask you a couple specific questions about this. So, sure. um, you've got infestation here, uh, oppression, and possession. And there's a sort of a checklist yeah. checklist below each one. And you're kind of, you kind of thrown all this stuff in together and saying like, this is, this seems like a stage of, uh, you know, the first stage of infestation yeah. or whatever. But, but let's say somebody's having, uh, I'm getting into this, uh, incubus and succubus thing again. So like, let's say somebody's having incubus and succubus encounters has been going on for decades yet. They don't have, and that that's actually, I would consider that being, uh, on your list under infestation, under uh, sex while f- of, falling yeah. asleep or whatever, right? Being attacked sexually while while sleeping. So, but they don't have a lot of the other things on the list happening. Exactly. Like, what would you suggest? Yeah.
1: Well, for one thing, I'll say anybody reading those lists, you're talking about. You'd you'd have to have a very strong three, right? And two or three or four a week to the, uh, you know, if, you, if you'd have to have like six or seven of those things, three or four of them weak, and, and two or three very strong right? to even qualify there. Uh, the the incubus succubus dreams and this type of thing, um, can often be influenced. They can often be something not demonic at all, but basically very sexual entities that, uh, have, you know, they they do literally pull people's life force. And this is exactly what was happening with this woman in the hotel. Um, and a lot of times there's people that I, I, I get emails from who are um, attacked to the point where... Uh, it's actually almost six and one half dozen the other where they literally at this point in time should really check themselves into a therapy center and at the same time perhaps uh, learn how to strengthen and protect themselves. If you're having those types of dreams, there's one very easy way to stop this whole thing. Basically, get some salt. Get some exercised oil, water and salt. Huh. And spray your room down, put salt under your bed, put a blessed holy card or something under your bed, get a rosary that's blessed, hang it on the back of your bed, uh, put salt under your mattress, um, put it under your mattress pad if you want, wherever you want to put it. But, you know, just, I'll tell you what, salt the corners down in your room, hit your closets. hit your door, around your door and that. And the, the one blessing in there, there's blessings and prayers, there's a link on there that says blessings and prayers, and there's what they call the Epiphany Blessing. The Epiphany Blessing started in Ireland. It, you would basically, for 2015, you would write two zero, then the sign of the cross, then C, sign of the cross, then B, sign of the cross, then M, then sign of the cross, then 15. The CBM are the first initials of each of the, the three wise men. Uh, they also uh, mean a blessing, uh, Christus Mansus, you know, Benedictus, right? So uh, you write that over the top of your door or write it on your door. You can use a washable crayon or washable uh, um, marker uh, because a lot of today's doors and stuff, writing in chalk just isn't going to get it, you know. Or you can even write it in pencil on a piece of paper and tape it to your door. But it stops literally all activity within 20 feet. So you can literally... Write that on every single door in your house, inside and out. Closet doors, everything. It's going to stop all activity within 20 feet. And then get some salt and put it around the deals. I have salt. I have exercise salt. Try getting it from your local priest. Good luck with that, guys, because unless you know him and unless he's willing to do it, most of them don't even have the prayers handy. Most They usually refer you to the diocese exorcist for that, and he usually... It also has a huge parish of its own and stuff. It's very difficult to get anymore. It really is. But I do have it. I give it away for free, but I do require one thing. I require that you donate $10 because I will send it priority. It's $5.15 for shipping. At least it was last time I checked. I put it in containers, two glass vials full of oil, two glass vials full of salt. And believe me, like I said, one or two grains is all you need sometimes. Um, and it's just to keep me being able to buy these things. But I also send things like, you know, blessed rosaries. I send all this stuff for free. I buy it myself. Nobody pays for it but me. I buy it myself. I get take it down. I get it blessed by the diocese exorcist here. You're, I'm not selling the blessing. I'm just saying, guys, I need to keep buying I need to keep stock on hand and I can't do it by just simply giving it all away.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I,
2: I, you know, can people so donate it, more then? I mean, you're, obviously you welcome sure. donations for people that want to help out, uh, especially if, if, you know, if it's helped them too, right? People can give back to you.
1: Well, yeah. And a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of people that do that make up for the people that just simply don't have a dime. And there's been many times, Kim and I've sent stuff out to people that, you know, didn't have a hope of of sending a a dollar. But for those of you that can send a dollar when you, you, if you want to ask for some, please just do send, you know, at least enough to cover postage. That's truly all I really ask. Because it's very, very important for me to keep the ministry going. I can't do it uh, off my husband's paycheck. I'm retired now. All I get is Social Security. So God will always take care of it. He'll always make sure that the money comes in properly to take care of this all of us. But, you know, it's kind of each person needs to, like... You know, God helps those who help themselves, too, so you, you try to do what you can do to, to at least help out yourself. But I will freely send it to somebody. All you got to do is go up there in the contact form, put your name, your address. Uh, nobody's going to see it. And I don't keep them. Nothing. If you want me to call you, I don't call anybody right now. I, I'm on chemotherapy right now, all right? I don't, I don't have the physical um, strength to do that right now. In um, maybe three, four months or something, I will have. But right now, I really can't. You're just going to need to read the website mm-hmm. and try to get as much information off of there as you can right now.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but that's really, um, that's it. I, I'll send it to you. You need the salt. I'll send it to you.
3: No, that's good to know. I didn't realize that. Yeah.
1: yeah, put it around your house. Does your mom have a problem? Put it around. You know, go a little tiny bit of salt in a in a spray bottle of water, and you can spray that whole house down, and you'll still have you'll still have four fifths or almost completely five fifths of that bottle left. I mean, a few grains of salt. You can take four grains, four little grains of salt. Put it into a gallon of water and that water is all now exercised and it all has that power of God with it. And everywhere you spray it, it carries that exorcism blessing. You spray it above the floorboard. That way it doesn't, it doesn't disappear. Nobody scrubs it out of the carpet. It doesn't, you don't soak it down. Just one little spray. I'll do it. Toom, Sh- toom, 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 toom.
2: Should you tell somebody that you're going to do that? Is it important to did they
0: or know you sneak exercising you somebody? <laughs> well, it, 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 You're a it, ninja well, exorcist? Yeah,
1: yes, I have ninja exercise. Okay. I have met, I have, yes. Because it was a relative and I love them and I just got tired of them being traumatized and they were going through a very difficult period of their time their life and they just you couldn't even talk to them, okay? So yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I was getting. Okay. At, exactly. No, that's I what I was it getting right at, at. Back. <laughs> yeah. So now you're gonna
0: exercise and people and rape uh, yeah. when they don't know. Yeah.
3: Well,
1: you <laughs> so, know. So.
2: <laughs> so what? Uh, so did that help? Did it change?
1: Yes, it did because see, here's the thing: when you bless somebody, even if you even if you can't. Even if you can't control them enough to be able to put the side of the cross on them and everything, you can spray them down with the salt water. I, can, I spray myself down sometimes before I even walk into a place to make sure... I'm so the ocean
0: money. must be good then.
1: Well, no. It's not, it's well, not, not exercise
0: though. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, no, yeah. But it's
0: Couldn't not we just exercise the whole thing?
1: This and then everyone actually, would be good to go. It, it, it'll, it'll leave the exorcism blessing behind. Here's the whole point. I can't do anything to anybody against their will, neither can you or anybody else. The point is this, if you can go through that house and spray it down, what you do is you will get a pause of activity, it'll stop for a short time and in that time, that person maybe for the first time in months, even maybe a couple of years, they can think clearly, They can think clearly, they can see clearly, they can hear clearly, they can hear what you were saying to them, and you wouldn't believe how it stops everything. It's like, one minute you got all this psychic commotion going on, and the next second everything is totally quiet Mm. and peaceful, and they're like, wow, what just happened? It's so wonderful, I feel so good. And that's when you kind of fess up and say, well, I just sprayed your house down because I just wanted to be able to talk to you and you couldn't hear what I was saying. Interesting. Yeah, but here's the thing. If they reject it, it'll all just come right back. Even though you sprayed the house down, they have the right to choose what goes on in their house. So if they reject what you did, It'll all just come right back, and at that point in time, honestly, I would tell you to hit the door and keep going.
2: Well, can, can some of it? could some of it could be from negative uh, thought patterns, right, or traumatic uh, kind of PTSD Absolutely. type behavior that they're not even conscious yeah. of?
1: Absolutely, and not and only that, brain injuries too. Yeah, you know, Yeah. you know, brain injuries. Sometimes uh, taking the wrong medication. Sometimes they'll have a, bl- a blood chemical reaction or something. Yeah. Huh. I can, lots of different things can cause these behavioral changes and has nothing to do with being, you know, possessed. But once you can calm everything down, a lot of times they can, the people around them can see that, oh, we thought Jack was possessed, guess not. Okay, all right, what do we do now? You know, oh, hello, let's try take him to a doctor, you know, okay? Um, so, yeah, it calms the situation. Everybody sitting in there can see, can hear, can think
2: huh so so sonia um i when I was reading this book uh called the right there and and I was hearing about all these actual encounters and and his uh re- gary's uh witnessing the exorcisms take place and of course you know doing this podcast and everything i you always have people, you know, uh, claiming for proof, or there's this whole, this whole, you know, community out there that's kind of into the the paranormal and into everything, but they want science and they want proof and they want evidence. And and it, you guys don't seem to, and I don't mean you guys, but you and, and, let's say, Gary in the book, like they don't seem concerned with having to prove this to anybody, right? So is that kind of, you know, the way you go? Because I know you're pretty strict with, videos and photos cause you don't want yourself plastered all over the internet. So that's totally understandable. And I, and I understand, yeah. and I'm not saying like, you know, where's the proof? Because to me, I, I know I kind of feel for you. Like at some point it doesn't really matter, right? You guys know what's going on. You know, what happens, you know, it's a legitimate phenomena. So yeah. videos, videos and photos aren't necessarily going to do it either because, you know, the skeptics out there could just, I mean, they can pretty much debunk anything they want. If, uh, if if they're so inclined.
1: let see, here's the thing. You know, God God doesn't really want a publicity department. A lot of people seem to think He does, and they seem to take it upon themselves to become His publicity manager or, or agent or whatever. But, you know, God's perfectly capable and more likely to simply just do what needs to be done when it needs to be done. And, you know... Like I said before, when I first came on the show, one of the things about most of us is the fact that it's, it's, it's not about us. You know, yeah, we might be there. Yeah, we, we, might, we might be part of what's going on and all that kind of stuff. But it has truly nothing to do with us. It is really the power of Christ. If it wasn't for the power of Christ, we wouldn't even be there. I mean, if if the situation is judged to be a situation where an actual exorcism is necessary, then it's really God showing us that, proving that to us, not us proving it to God. Uh, We get what evidence we can and stuff like that, just so that we can show the Church we did our due diligence. But as far as uh, all of the rest of it is concerned, this is really God. You know, this, the, the, for example, the, the scene where um, in uh, deliverance from Evil, where Ralph Sarchi and the priest are at the end there and they're doing this exorcism. It's, you know, they would both look you right in the eye right now and say, this isn't about me. This is about God. Yes, I was there. Yes, I'm a servant. Yes, I'll do what God asked me to do. I may not like it. It may scare me half to death, but I'm going to do it because I, I want to do what God needs. They, God doesn't force any of us to do anything. So the whole point is the privacy of the people involved or what is important. My privacy, who cares? I don't care. Father Gary doesn't care. You know, the, uh, the other exorcists I, I work with don't care. It's not about us. It's not about us hiding our faces from man or keeping our privacy. Mm-hmm. We're private people simply because God's private. He is a, you know, people have a relationship with God, each person an individual type of relationship. No matter what church you go to, it's always personal. And, you know, unless that person feels like going public with their story and their situation or whatever, um, or if the church thinks it would be a great learning tool or something like that, and that's really how Gary's book got written, was the fact that it was a great learning tool. He to show other people father see Father Amorth had written his books first, the the stories of an Exorcist, you know the tales of an Exorcist okay and Father Amorth is the chief exorcist in Rome, and so he wanted people to understand what it was really what was really going on he didn't write a scary book he wrote an incredibly great book it's it's really enjoyable to read, actually. It's not creepy or crawly or anything. But boy, does he give you some insight into, you know, and, and this is, he'll tell you, you want the crap out of your house, salt the corners, <laughs> you know, take exercise, salt, and put it in the corners in the water. Um, this is something any layman can do. And he knows that, you know, this is, all laymen can do this, all believers you know, it says in the Bible, if you believe in my name, you can cast out demons. You can heal people, and all that. You know, a lot of us, you know, don't go out trying to heal people. You know, we don't agree. You know, we 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 doubt that. You know, ourselves, we doubt our own relationship with God. You know, uh, and then but, there's people that go out there and they're fakes anyway.
2: Yeah, you made a you made a phrase. Uh... Hmm. You had a phrase for that, humility over something else with an H. I'm trying to remember what it was. I thought I read it on your website there, but it was interesting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, humility over hubris, whatever. Yeah, that's, uh, I like that. That's good. Well,
1: mercy, you know, God, you know, God, Is his mercy triumphs over justice. If it didn't, we'd all still be going to hell. (laughs) <laughs> so, you know, I mean, that's the whole point. It, You know, that's why I'm saying, no, we don't look for publicity. We don't run out there trying to write the next the latest and greatest book. I do want to write a book about Juarez.
2: Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Oh, it's going to be about that, that uh, Juarez thing. Yeah. Huh? Okay.
1: Yeah, I've already got 44,000 words written on that book. I just need to refine it more. I've never written a book before, okay, guys? So, <laughs> needless to say. Well, you've almost cool. got a but, book's
2: worth of stuff on your website, so you, <laughs> you're probably closer, do yeah, well, you think?
1: Well, you know, the, you know, the thing is is that I just wanted... I don't know how, much, how long I'm going to live. None of us do, right? And I just wanted to put out there in the most clear way possible... Just let people understand that it's not it it you don't have to be scared out of your skin all the time. you don't have to you know fall on your knees wailing and screaming if you see your kid walk out of his bedroom with a Ouija board under his arm. It's all about his intention uh maybe he just needs a little more you know just realize. He probably wouldn't be looking for so many answers if you weren't working with you know, if you want your kid to get the answers he really needs, work with him. Say, hey, you know, what are you what are, are you interested in this? You know, why are you interested? You know, and and, and don't you know, don't gaff him off and insult him and, and hurt his feelings. Say, Okay, well look, let's let's research these things together, but let's do it in a way that's more a little bit more controlled and in a way that we, you know, I, you know, I think is a little safer
3: Yeah.
1: and yeah. then and start working with the, the kids and, or even yourself as an adult, just think to yourself about it. Just say, Hey, am I really going about this in the right way? Maybe I can do this in a way and cover my own ass at the same time. Okay. Because you can, you just need to protect yourself, you know, Go over to a Catholic church. Take some things to be blessed. Go to the rectory. You don't have to go to the go to mass in this. Go to the rectory. You know, leave leave them in a a, a case or bag, or you know, put them in a ziploc bag so the priest can see what he's blessing. And and you know, just tell him, you know, I would really like to have these things blessed. You know, I I would just feel safer and better. He's not going to ask you are you Catholic or are you not. He's going to say okay. You know, just say, I would feel really good if these were blessed. Would you please bless them for me? Don't be afraid to leave a small donation for the church. Do not make it out in the priest's name. He will feel absolutely insulted. Make it out to the church if you're going to donate. And then go on about your business. But, you know, hang hang, hang some blessed medals in your room. You know, wear a rosary around you. I'll tell you right now, I would not be caught dead out there working, doing what I do without my rosary around my neck. And I'm not kidding, like a necklace. I wear it like a necklace. It well, protects me all the time.
2: Well, I like that that advice and it's not dogmatic and part of like, you know, you have to become no. a full blown Catholic and that type of thing. So I, I appreciate your openness no, you don't with, have to be with all that. At all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's probably a pretty good spot to uh, to wrap it up on. Is there anything else you want to mention to our listeners?
1: You know um, how much time we have? Just a couple minute or two?
2: Yeah, yeah, a few minutes.
1: Okay, I just want to say one thing, all right? About Easter, a lot of people look at the horrible beating and everything that Christ took, and they think that that was that. You know, uh, that that whole that suffering thing. They they focus too much on that. You know, that when Christ says he didn't want to drink the cup, or well, he you know he was concerned about would he have the kind of the guts to do it. It was that moment where he had to consign his spirit to the Father, Uh where for that moment the Holy Spirit, for the first time ever, left the body, the physical body of Christ, and he was all by himself. And that's why he said, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's where the grief of God actually entered in, and that whole temple thing tore and everything else. But that was the cup all along. Jesus knew the beating and all that. He could handle that. But it was that moment when actually the spirit was going to be gone, that's what terrified him the most. And that's what I think is so incredibly beautiful about his sacrifice. Because for that moment in time, you know, he had been Christ since the beginning. And then for that one moment, he had to leave his body hanging there without that spirit. But to me, when you see that, you see the power it took for him to do that. You can see why there's so much power in the name of Christ when you get out here and you're handling these things. Know that that power that I'm talking about right now, when you go out there with the intention of serving God and you want to back something off, and you say in the name of Christ, believe me when I tell you it's going to back off. It will back off. You just have to realize that moment, think about that moment because the power of it will strengthen you to the point where when you walk in that door nothing will deter you, nothing will stop you. And you'll just be able to do what God needs you to do at mm. that moment.
2: Well, that's so good. that's
1: what I would say. Yeah,
2: it's good uh, timing with Easter coming up this weekend, so Yeah. This weekend.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. How time flies.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I know. Wasn't it's just crazy. It was Christmas Spring. weeks
1: ago I don't <laughs>
2: <laughs> It was remember
1: getting presents.
2: <laughs> and ever 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 since I started this we started this podcast time is completely different. I look I try and find an email thinking it was like 2 weeks ago and it's been like 3 months. <laughs> it's it's brutal. <laughs> okay.
1: Well, I really really appreciate both of you for inviting me um to speak. Um, I hope that the the listeners got some good out of it, and I I hope they found it different and enlightening, Um, and they just shouldn't be so hard on themselves, so you're a little curious, (laughs) it doesn't mean you've invited the devil into your house, you know, there's a huge difference between that kind of intention and just reading a book or... Waving a wand over some flowers, come on, yeah,
2: you know, no, thanks, thanks for
1: that. let's lighten up, yeah, let's lighten up on each other a little bit here and realize that God isn't stupid, okay, He knows the difference between what you're doing and what you're not doing, you know, so you know, you don't have to be afraid of god faith faith is faith is easily explained in one word, trust, yeah, you trust him, you've got faith. If somebody says, well, I don't know what faith is. Don't worry about it. Do you know what trust is? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Well,
1: there you go.
2: Well said. Well, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it too. It was uh, very interesting and make sure you keep in touch when you, if you do get that book out here and uh, yeah, send us over a copy.
1: I should be done. Yeah. I should be done within the next month or so, maybe a month to six weeks. And uh, I'll, I'll just be putting it out on Kindle and stuff. uh, All the ebook channels um, that, that are out there, um, and because uh, that way I can kind of donate the money from the sales of it to, you know, different charities and causes that I, you know, care about. And uh, there's a, just a lot of different things that I I do um, that I I really love and care about. So, yeah, I, you know, I, I want to get it out there because it's an incredible story. You know, this isn't. I'm not writing it out there to say, oh, look at me, I'm so cool.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I was scared to death, guys, every single minute of the time I was out there. And the next year or two, there's a sequel to that book. It's an incredibly beautiful story. It's an incredibly, it's, it's just got everything. You know, murder and mayhem and intrigue and magic and you name it, it's in that story and both books are just phenomenal and it's got the Native American side of it it's got the customated side of it and it's real all of its real these people are still alive okay the people that were there my team these guys they're all still here they're all still alive and I want to write it now so that if somebody has questions and says oh that's horse hockey you're gonna hear about 14 voices going oh no it ain't <laughs> you know, it's a truth okay yeah, because uh, it's a phenomenal thing about God and man and the earth and all of the balance and harmony and everything in between.
2: That sounds great. Yeah, we're looking forward to it.
1: All yeah, right, Sonia. People will enjoy it. Good. Well, thanks for coming on. Well, thank you so much, Graham, and and thanks for you know, and just thanks for everything. And Aaron, appreciate everything. Um,
0: no problem happy Easter
1: thank you happy Easter to you hope you get lots of chocolate marshmallow eggs
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right.
2: well we'll talk to you soon we'll send you a a copy of the episode and uh, we'll link to link to all that stuff in the show notes
1: great okay Okay. thanks
2: thanks Anya you
1: you bet you take care guys
2: okay bye bye
1: God bless bye bye
2: back to the great America show that was our chat with Sonia bros from get rid of the ghosts dot org what'd you think yeah it, yeah it's it's interesting I mean it was a little more um uh a place based if you know what I mean like uh like like uh exorcism of you know ghosts in places and stuff like that I was I was trying to get a little bit more into the, the people uh thing and you know not, uh, the demonic possession kind of stuff but uh it's fa- it's i don't know man i i'm interested in it i really think there's something there after reading about it and, and listening to her and and it makes me question other things like if uh if using jesus's name or some other sort of dogmatic religious prayer helps what's going on there
0: yeah, I don't I mean, know. It's... Yeah, I don't know. That's that's where I start to have problems with it. Is it? Get, it did get a little religious for me, especially near the end. But I don't know if that's maybe because <laughs> I mean the books. <clears throat> the books are probably based on something that we're all talking about anyway, right? It's just it's been interpreted in different ways, or yeah, you know, yeah.
2: Like I wonder if it's about. For example, the,
0: the prayer. I think it's made more it about I the think, intention, or I the think it's more about it, right? the intention and yeah. the emotion attached to it. I, th- yeah. I really think emotion plays a really big role.
3: Yeah.
0: And belief.
2: Yeah.
0: Right. When, whatever you use to get there, I guess whether it's belief in yourself, belief that it's possible, belief in a god, belief in Jesus, you need to actually, you know, I think belief is a big part of being able to. Do things like that maybe. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And he and you he got a placebo yourself. Yeah. And then there's other things that'll help, like their, their exercise olive oil and holy water and the salt. I'm gonna uh I'm gonna get to her website there and order some of that for sure and maybe send her a little donation. It's cool that they don't really charge for that stuff.
0: Salt. Yeah. And so you can exercise. Exactly. You can exercise while you're exercising. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, we want to thank Sonia for coming on. And we'll link to all that in the show notes, and we've got lots of episodes coming up. We've got, uh, yeah, at least one a week.
0: Next we're... episode, out will to be Toby Rogers. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Feels like we're, we're, we're back. Ever... On, no, we're back where we're we back should be. Okay. We're, we're fucking a month behind. Yeah. We still a James an apology, really. Yeah. So now we're back to where we should be. Ganja Godfather. I forget his name. Toby Rogers. No, not Toby. Oh, the Ganja guy. Yeah. Yeah. You'll hear it in the it's interview. It's an Italian name. It's yeah. an Italian mobster name. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that uh, that was a fun chat. Toby's great. Yeah. And then uh then.
2: We got a round table coming up with uh, Alex Sakaris and Connor Habib. Yeah, and we've got Niels Hickman coming up after that. And I'm gonna be trying to get Gordon Freeman in the studio to talk about uh the Hidden Stonehenge. I'm almost on well, just partway through his book right now.
0: You're gonna bring that guy in this place. You betcha. He's gonna fucking run right out of here. Bro. No, he'll he'll be okay. Think so? Yeah. That's he's visited. A- he's visited
2: like ancient stone Does circles in the middle of the night. Huh? Yeah.
0: <laughs> in air quotes. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So. So I lose the freedom. I lose freedom in my own studio.
2: No, you can just tell him. I'm be- you
0: know, just gonna be doing <laughs> some stuff. You just gotta deal with it. Yeah. Those are. <laughs> Take off, eh? I think that's about it. Support the show, of course. Grammerica.ca slash support. Um, we always appreciate that. Helps us keep upgrading and paying our bills. Uh, sign up for the newsletter. Grammerica.ca slash news. If you're already signed up, sign up your friends. Maybe we could make the mission for the week to sign up three people for the newsletter. Sure. Yeah. And I think the newsletter's only at like maybe less than ten percent of listeners. Yeah. So we could drum up some newsletter. Then you get updates of uh,
2: backstage and of releases. when the live
0: feeds are and stuff like that. Um, new blogs. What else? Yeah. So sign people up for the newsletter. There's something else too. Oh, yeah. Well, you already spoke about reviews. Review the show where you can. That's another thing where it's reviews are less than one percent. I think less than one percent. Yeah, it's crazy. Reviewed, so that's something you can do right now, and uh, it doesn't cost you a thing.
2: Yeah. All right.
0: Spamgram. Thanks, buddy. See you next week.